Hi, well, welcome to the Xbox World Podcast. Uh, happy Christmas to you all out there. Hope you've had a good year and hope you have a great Christmas. And uh, we're going to chat a little bit about Christmas <laughs> and uh, some other bits and bobs. Games, obviously. Might go off on a tangent. There won't be any sweet eating this, this week. Um, but uh, who knows what these crazy funsters I'm doing the podcast with will come up with. Anyway, I'll let them introduce themselves and then we'll crack on. Uh, I'm Matthew. And I'm Mike Sa- Santa Claus Gapper. And uh, I forgot to say that I'm Tim, in case people don't know who I am. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a busy year. It's certainly been a busy time for us in the in the office. We've been uh, cranking out not one, but two magazines in time for Christmas, one of which has a deadline of Christmas Eve, which is really generous. So um, That's future's Christmas present that's to a, us. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> cheeky pr- Christmas present from yeah, our bosses. Yeah, that's the Christmas bonus we've all been waiting that's for. That's right, yeah. Um, so we're busy, we're busy uh, uh, blazing our way through our issue, which is on sale 20th of January. Um, we can't talk about everything that's in it, but we can talk about some of the stuff that's in it. Um, and possibly Matt will talk a little bit about the main thing that's in it in, in a bit. Um, should also say that uh, uh, the, new, the issue before that is on sale Friday the 19th, and that it's an absolute corker. An absolute corker. It's full of massive games uh, for 2009, uh, including uh, Riddick. We've got the exclusive on Riddick. Yeah, uh, we had uh, exclusive, exclusive hands-on. Uh, we spoke to the developers. Yeah. Got exclusive interview. Um, you've, you probably might have seen them t- uh, talking about it online, but we've got... Got everything. We've got a lot. We've um, got everything, and it's it should uh, be, an unbelievably strong game. It should be... Uh, it was worth pointing out that... Uh, we saw Mike had seen it before, but Matt and I saw Riddick yesterday. And it's absolutely incredible. So it's definitely really blown away. yeah, totally blown away. So you really should pick out the next issue. Uh, we a got, couple of weeks ago, I got to go to Atari and um, uh, we sat down and played it for well, best part of a day. Sat sat there for a good six hours, just just banging away on both Butcher Bay and uh, Assault on Dark Athena. Where's Atari base? Atari, Hammersmith. Yeah. You said uh, they had a fire alarm when you got there. Yeah, and everyone went outside. They were just speaking French. Lots of people speaking French, yeah. They must lots, have been either a French game. But Atari must, are French-owned, aren't they? Oh, Infograms, yeah. But yeah. it wasn't. I don't think it was Atari people talking French. I think it's just a French company within the same building. I was standing there. Was, as I turned up, there was a lot of people standing outside, a bunch of fire marshals doing their thing. Of course, in our office, John strikes a fire marshal, so we're all dead if it yeah, was, place right. on fire. John yeah. strikes a fire marshal, but he's always late into work. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's always on holiday, so uh, there's yeah. always just like a jacket hanging over his chair. And if he's not late, he's hungover, so... <laughs> Ch- chances of survival. I mean, basically, if there's a fire at future, don't expect an issue. John's the most flammable man there. Yeah. Well, with, with, I mean, he's Mr. Hairgel as well. I mean, you know his hair. The first thing to burn is going to be his hair. One day he's just going to come in with some kind of mix of different pomades and gels, and he's just going to spontaneously combust. He's not the fire marshal. He's literally on fire. Um, um, yes, yeah, so we sat there and played it for like six hours after the fire drill was over, and I, uh, I learned... Well, I tested my high school French with um, the, the whatever French company was there, uh, and we played both games. It's superb. Butcher Bay is still as good as it ever was. It's um, been tweaked. It's been improved. I think everybody knows that by now. I think people might be surprised by just how little it's been tweaked and improved. I don't know because, like you said, that we, when we saw it yesterday, I was really impressed by how good it looked. I know the original looked really, and good. that's the thing. I was really impressed by how good it looked too. And then I went home and I fired up um, Riddick on the original Xbox, which of course you need an original Xbox to play because it's not backwardly compatible. And that game still looks so so good. The new one is essentially a PC game. Uh, with a lot of new little things tweaked, like um, 
For example, you know, you have this, the big spikes which come out of the healing machine, stab you in the neck and then heal you. Before, those were just like big, um, just big triangular spikes, basically, just big grey spikes. And now they actually have, um, they're, big, they're long needles with like tubes and pipes coming off of them and so on. And so little details like that. Of course, they've upped all of the textures and uh, uh, changed the weapons. And you've got all of the features in Dark Athena, so you can lean around corners. You can, which you could in the PC version anyway. You can lean around corners. There's a different weapon select system. Lots of other little things from Dark Athena, which was carried over, and you'll read all about it in our next issue. Yeah, we don't want to talk too much about it because Mike's feature is really, really good, and we, everyone should uh, should definitely check it out. But but it's, suffice to say, you know, this game is really, really an astounding kind of well, it's a standing technical achievement, and it's also one of the best looking games yeah. on the 360, right up there with um, Far Cry and uh, Far Cry 2, obviously, and um, Gears of War, I would say. So anyway, Mike, Far Cry 2, you've been playing a lot of Far Cry 2. I have, yeah, I've gone back to it. Um, we had the big old Christmas rush, the craziness, um, loads and loads of games turning up. Uh, so I kind of put Far Cry 2 aside. Far Cry 2 is a strange beast because it's kind of um, it's kind of got the entire sequel to the game on the disc. You know, you finish the first map and you think, wow, you know, I've had 20 hours of game play out of this game. That's a that's a lot of game. I'm kind of I'm kind of done with this now. I was uh, a lot of fun with that. And then, uh, oh wait a minute! You got you got a you got a whole another map on there, basically a whole another world to explore, just as big as the first one, and you'll be playing that for an equal length of time. Actually, the second section of the game is probably a lot stronger than the first. Certainly, the map's more interesting and more varied. But I don't think I've ever loved a game so much that I hated so much at the same time. Mm. And I think Matt, Matt and I have discussed this before in the office, and I think he'll agree with me on a number of points. He'll probably disagree on a few others, but. There's so much wrong with the game. I mean, it's just so much. You are essentially doing the same mission over and over again. Uh, you're told to go to an area, kill a bunch of guys, recover a thing, go to another area, kill a bunch of guys, kill one main guy, and then destroy a thing. Or, you know, it's just that same thing over and over again. But for me, it's not, that's not the big problem, because I actually find that really good fun every time I do it. The problem is in all the tiny details that they got wrong, like the guns. One thing you always... I mean, at the moment, Matt's playing a game in the office, which he'll be talking about later, where he does this perfectly. He gets the feedback on the guns just right. You know, you, you shoot something and they go down. The guns feel loud. They feel strong. They feel weighty. And in Far Cry, yeah, it's got the weight to the guns right. I mean, the guns feel great. They look great. The animations on the reloads and everything is fantastic. But you shoot someone and they just soak up bullets like a sponge. You know, it takes a three good bursts from the gun to put anyone down. And that's... That's not fun. When you, you want to feel powerful, you know. Yeah. I, I play these games to feel like Superman. Matt, I know, plays a lot of first-person shooters on the hardest settings. I prefer to put it down to the normal or easier setting just because I want to feel powerful when I play these games. I want to feel... If I'm playing Halo, for instance, I want to feel like Master Chief, the mm. guy who's bulldozing through, you know, like legions and legions of enemies. And in Far Cry, I want, to, I want to feel that way. And you do because you are considerably more powerful than the guys you're facing. But... You know, your, gun is, your guns are just far too weak. They don't dish out enough damage. And then there's the world itself. Everyone in that world is hostile. There are no people to help you. you, you you'll chat to uh, a few people who give you missions and so on. Once you're out wandering the world, every single person you run into will shoot at you. That, that kind of makes the world feel... Not I means the world should feel hostile. It's a country in the middle of a civil war. But it would be nice to be going along the road and just see a group of people or have someone driving towards you who won't shoot at you, who mm. won't want to hurt you. So that way, whenever you see something, you'll always have that concern in your head. Okay, are these people here to get me? Yeah, I mean, well, it's all about peaks and troughs, isn't it? I mean, it's like course. anything. It's like a film or a book or whatever, you know, and a game's the same. You can't have constant 
action. I mean, you need you need some some troughs. But in um, Far Cry, there's this inevitability. If you see a smoke trail moving in the distance and it's coming towards you, you either get in the grass and hide, or my usual tactic is to pull out my little um, handheld grenade launcher, which is a brilliant weapon. Once you got that, the game is just completely redefined. Just pointing out the uh, the truck, boom, fire, and they'll explode. The truck is flying over your head, and you think, oh, that's great. I just blew that. But if it was if there were civilians in the world, if there were people who you know uh, were innocent and didn't deserve shooting, you'd always have that moment. Do I fire on this truck or not? Mm. Do I fight these guys or not? Do I put a bullet in the driver to stop him at a distance or not? And that would make each fight so much more interesting because when you do run into some, someone who's like in, like going to hurt you, it would be a surprise. It wouldn't just be that inevitable thing of you know there's a vehicle, it's full of bad guys. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, going back to the weapons, I mean, I mean, how do you? I mean, I guess the question is, how do you make, how, how is a gun, how is it the guns feel, feel right? And I guess what, one of the reasons, you know, for me, one of the sort of key reasons, I mean, there's obviously some programming skill involved, but one of, the, one of the reasons, I think, is that when you've got enemies that take about 100 bullets to go down, that weakens, like you say, that weakens the impact of the guns. I mean, I think in, like, stuff like um, GoldenEye and, you know, Rainbow Six games and those sort of things, not so much Vegas necessarily, but <laughs> the old Rainbow Six games, um, you pop someone in the head, bang, they're down. And you feel like a badass. Okay, it's not like a, an amazing, like, firefight and you're ducking for cover and all that kind of thing, but the one-shot kill policy, in my opinion, I, I'm always a big, been a big fan of it because I think it... It, it makes you think a lot more, but it also makes you realise that one mistake on your part ends up costing you. But also, you know that you get the, you get a shot right, and you you, you know you exactly. And that's the thing in Far Cry. I find I get a shot right over and over again, and they're still soaking up bullets. And there's gonna be a lot of people listening to podcasts going, "Oh, this guy just shit at games. He sucks at FPS." I I know that's not true. I play these games all the time. It's, it's not an issue of being good or bad. And it's true in the game, if you do aim for the head, you're going to take them down in one burst. But the guns, generally speaking, aren't accurate enough to aim for the head consistently. I mean, you have to get accuracy upgrades and so on. Uh, so that's often not an option unless you're at seriously close range. And, you know, it's, it's the old virtual cop thing. Gamers, I think, tend to be quite good at looking at a situation, analysing the threats, and just going bang, 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 and picking them all off. Like uh, you know, like like some kind of Jason Bourne, but some kind of video game nerdy, sort of slightly overweight, mm. sitting on a sofa. Jason Bourne can see the threats and can prioritize them straight away. See the guy who's got the rocket launcher, take him out first. See the guy who's got the heavy machine gun, take him out second, and then pick off all the grunts afterwards. And in sort of something like Call of Duty, you'll be doing that at such speed because you'll be like bang, 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 pop, 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 and you'll be taking all of these guys down, plowing forward, pop, 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 next lot of guys. And in this, you just can't do that. You can't pri- identify the threats, pop, 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 and take them out. Because you'll put a bunch of shots into someone and he'll disappear and you'll be like, oh, okay, I've got that guy. But then he'll pop back out again and you'll fire a few shots and you'll be like, oh, well, I could have sworn I, mm. I got that guy with a whole burst from my gun. Well, you shoot him again. You put another three shots into him. He goes down again. You're like, well, it's pretty much safe to keep going forward now. And then this, this dude's firing rockets at you. <laughs> and you're like, well, I, I could have sworn I, I shot him with, with my American-made assault rifle yeah. as used by the U.S. Army. Like, this is, this is not a strong gun. And there's another big thing about the game. It's the, um, the checkpoints. A lot of people have complained about the checkpoints. And Clint Hawking's actually gone on record as saying it's kind of a mistake on their part. They didn't realise quite how long the game was going to end up being. Mm. And they didn't realise how much of a nuisance the checkpoints are. If you, uh, if you go through a checkpoint and clear it out, 
and then leave that area so that that area is streamed out of memory. When you come back into that area, it will, all of the bad guys will have respawned there. And they said to actually set up a, um, a cycle in the game where perhaps it gets repopulated every few days, every few in-game days or something, would be very, very difficult for them to do. But the, solu the better solution would be perhaps once you clear the checkpoint out, you could, I don't know, maybe once a checkpoint, any checkpoint in the game has a one in three chance of being populated by bad guys. So again, you don't have that inevitability of, okay, you look at your map, you've got a mission, you have to get to the other side of the map, and you say, well, I have to get from point A to point B, and along the way I'm definitely going to pass through this checkpoint, this checkpoint, and you start working out your routes based on how many checkpoints you're going to go through because you always have that tediousness. You can't even just like plow straight through these things and drive, keep driving because you will be chased, and then you have to get out of your truck and collect the old grenade launcher again. And what I would like for Far Cry 2 is a patch, or maybe even for Far Cry 3, to take away the inevitability of all the encounters in that game. You know, to make, to make the game more surprising. And that's the trouble. That's the one thing the game doesn't have is surprise. You always know you're going to have a conflict at these certain points. Sometimes you'll be surprised on the road, but you know it's going to be. If you see it coming, it's going to happen. And there's so many things they could have done to add, and to add that element of random chance. Uh, for me, that those things are all so disappointing about the game. Mm -hmm. But the strength, and uh, Matt, I think will definitely agree, is the world is just incredible. I mean, the world is truly incredible. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, we had a question. I didn't bring it with us today, but someone wanted to know what you know our favourite game worlds were. Far Cry 2 is just... Yeah. Above and beyond, almost anything. Above else. and beyond anything. When, when I'm in that world, I've got to put my headphones on, I turn the lights off, and I'm just there. I'm fully there. When you, know, you see the wind blowing in the game and you see the trees moving around, you can shoot at a tree and bits will fall off. You, know, you blow up a grenade in a tree and you'll strip it of leaves. Uh, you set a fire and the flames... They, they say they move realistically. No, they don't. They move in a manner which is fun to a game. I remember hearing the, uh, the guy who worked on the fire in the game saying at the very earliest stage of development, he created this fire propagation system. Set a fire off on a windy day, and then the fire spread to the entire world. And it's just like it brought his computer just to complete halt. The right. flames everywhere. And you're just standing in the middle of, like, you know, nuclear wasteland. Mm. Uh, so it, it works in a great video gamey fashion. It just looks great. It's useful as, like, a tool to use against the enemies. I mean, the first thing I do when I'm storming a base is start a fire. It, uh, it's just it's such a believable, incredible world in every way, apart from your interactions with other people in the world, which is which are always going to be pull gun and shoot. Yeah. I'd like you know more opportunities to just... Maybe you, you, you drive it... When the opening to the game has you driving past people who are trying to get out of the country, and maybe you could do that. You could pass like a convoy of people who are trying to escape, trying to get away, and they say to you... And you, know, you, you talk to the lead guy in the convoy, and he says, can you escort us? Can you help us get out yeah. of the country? And then you could help them get out. Or maybe you just pass a bunch of people who are going to make their, their work on a day-to-day -day business. And they say hello. And that's as simple as that. They just say hello. Mm. And then, then a bunch of uh, you know, hostiles come along and you have to fight those with innocent people around. So you're trying to avoid shooting them, even though in the game you are you know, a total bastard anyway. Mm. So you probably wouldn't really worry about the innocent people. But you, know, you could choose to play that way. You could choose to play in a way where you, 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 know, you try to spare these innocents of the, the conflict, try and lead the hostile guys away from the innocent people, and just mix up, make the world more varied in that way. For me, the world is just brilliant in every way, apart from the inevitability of, of, and the, the, knowledge, the, pre, the prior knowledge you're going to have going to every encounter. There's going to be an encounter. I just find it quite jarring when you go to that, that first town and you've got the two factions in the town, they chat to you. You know, they're not exactly pleasant, but they're like, oh, yeah, you can do this mission. You step, like, a mile outside that town's perimeter, bam, everyone's going to shoot you. 
Yeah, they, al- they always say, no oh, yeah, this is a secret mission for us, so, you know, we expect our people on our side to shoot at you. Would it have been so hard to make it so that, you know, okay, you've got this mission, and what we're going to do is we're going to hook you up with some of our guys, they're going to come with you, and they're going to help you out. So, you know, it's because Stalker does this all the time. Like, you know, you'll, you'll raid a base, and you'll have guys following you, you'll have guys going on your side. It didn't, they didn't have to design it that way. No. And it would have been so much more fun if they designed it any other way, but... The crazy part is, in spite of all of this, I really would say it's probably my favorite game of 2008. Absolutely. I absolutely adore it. It's an incredible game. And it came out early enough that for a lot of people it's not going to be a big Christmas game. Mm. But if you haven't bought it yet, go buy it, play it on Christmas Day, and spend spend Christmas Day in the sun. It's a really <laughs> good game. I'm glad you mentioned Call of Duty for the, for the weapons. Oh, um, the, the guns in Call of Duty. I, I finished Call of Duty World at War this weekend. Um, the weapons in that are incredible. Like feedback if you get a bolt-action rifle... One hit kill. Like Do you remember um, uh, Medal of Honor Airborne when we got that in? And yes. you, you get yeah. your bolt action rifle and you aim at the German guy and you're like, oh, this guy's mine. You aim at his head and you go, ping! And, you, and he goes down and you're like, good shot. Got him. Dealt, dealt it out. So you start advancing and, oh, wait a minute, he's just popped up and now he's throwing the grenade. All right, okay, I'll, I'll just I'll run back around the corner. You pop out again, aim, pop, and he goes down again. You're like, okay, not a problem. These guys could soak up bullets yeah. like Robocop. Yeah. And they, I mean, it would take, it would take you know, five or six good shots to take it down. And that, if there's one thing that COD, uh, COD 5 gets right, and I'm not a huge fan of World at War, as you know. I, I love modern combat, but I'm not a huge fan of World at War. Uh, if there's one thing it gets right, it's the way those guns work. If you shoot someone with that gun, they're going down. You see bits of brain matter so. flying off. There's definitely uh, some dismemberment in it. I've seen people you know, being blown apart and... Not, not to the extent of Brothers in Arms. But, uh, <laughs> Remember the uh, Brothers cool. in Arms dismemberment trailer? <laughs> they released this trailer where it's like... <laughs> and all these body parts flying off. Blood. Some, some guy's head just spiralling off into That's the That's like I never got with Brothers in Arms. When I saw it over a year ago, I was chatting to Randy Pitchford. And he was... Um, he was like the, he was a the nice guy. guy, by the way. A really nice guy. guy. But he was like, yeah, man, with Brothers in Arms, you know, we want to... Make you feel like you know war is horrible. The horror you know, of war. It's yeah. you're in with these this group of men. You really care for them. You want to look out for them. You know, if one of them dies, you're going to be really seriously upset. And then suddenly he stops and goes, "Whoa, look at that guy's head come off!" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's not right. That's not. Apparently, that the um, guys at um, Gearbox had no hand in the production of that trailer with, with you know the gore and the guts flying everywhere and so on, but. You know, for a lot of people, I guess that's what Brothers in Arms is. It's, it's, it's guys getting their head blown yeah. off, which is... I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, I don't think anyone objects to that kind of thing, but I think it's just the fact that they set it up as being this, like, serious and, and very emotional... Like raw take, Private yeah, Ryan. Raw take on, on World War Two, and then all of a sudden it's like, look at this head getting blown up! For me, it's like... Um, it would be one thing as well if you shoot someone and in the head, a big chunk of their head comes out and they hit the ground. And you're like, oh, damn, I just killed that, that guy. Mm. Damn. Or you shoot someone, some guy, some guy's aiming his gun at you and you shoot his hand, his hand gets, it just explodes. Mm. He's got nothing to fire his gun with anymore and he's screaming and you're like, oh, God, that's, that's horrible. That's not very nice, you know? Mm. Or even some guy's coming at you and you shoot him in the knee and he's dragging himself along and screaming. That would be a truly horrible yeah. thing. But in this game, you, you fire at like a, a base or something, like, a little, uh, like it was an entrenched enemy, you chuck a grenade in there or something, and the game goes into slow motion. It zooms in. It zooms in. It's like, no. <laughs> the head goes sailing off and there's blood. It's like, 
it didn't need to be glorified to that no. extent. You could make it truly horrible. Yeah. If you like, like a part where some guy is on fire and he's burning and he's screaming and you're like, oh, this is... I, yeah. I kind of don't want to see this. You know, yeah. this really is a horrible kind of... It doesn't have to be like every years now and of then, war every now and then you chainsaw down the guy's middle and you're going, F yeah! Because <laughs> chainsaw through the guy's... It doesn't have to be that. It, just could, it could be... Uh, could have been, you can make the violence it, horrible. And if it showed like it having an effect on your player like every now and then, like not very often, but like maybe once or twice in the game, like you'll see something truly disgusting. He'll like throw up and like start yeah, shaking maybe. or kind of like Far Cry, how like if you, if you, there's too much violence at any one point, you know, you go slightly, slightly crazy. Yeah. Like have not in the same way, but that kind of mechanic in Brothers in Arms where you start to, you know, feel the effects of it and start shaking and that would have worked. Yeah. Maybe like, um, cause I mean, Monolith are quite good at that in, um, in Fear and Condemned where, you know, you, you're aware of your character's body in the world particularly in uh, Condemned. And you could, you could, even if they were set pieces, parts where you, you stumble across a, across a village which has been entirely bombed out and there's burnt people everywhere and body parts everywhere, you could hide it as like a set piece where the guy, mm. you know, just stops and just like looks away. And, you know, like, but from a first-person perspective, like, you know, you're still in control, but you, you, your character is forcibly looking away from stuff. Mm. And for me, that always is better in games when you're actually the actor in the scene. Mm. I, I just don't dig on cutscenes, which is why I guess I don't really like Square's RPGs. I like to be an actor in, in the scene, yeah. you know, which is why Half-Life works for me. You know, you, you're playing Half-Life. There's people talking, and you can sit there and you listen to them talk, or you can go and monkey around with a little mm. experimental teleporter they built and you know, go, and, go and whack this guy with it's a the crowbar. It's difference between being told a story and being part of a story. Yeah. Exactly, like, very much so. Yourself. Very much so. And, like, you know, they, they could have done, they could, they could done parts which are, really, are truly horrible in Brothers in Arms, as it is, it comes across more like, <laughs> mm. F yeah! yeah! I'm not convinced it works in World at War either. Like, I know they've got like some points where it's like, oh, do I kill them? Do I shoot them or do I let them burn? And, you know, there's some nasty bits in that game, but I don't yeah, think... Yeah, there's a part where you I'm, have to just like, you, know, you, have to, you have to murder a bunch of just Germans who are surrendering and so on. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just, in 4, it was so good at, you, you had your leader, you followed your leader, you know, you did what you were told. And you really felt like part of this squad. In 5, I feel like they've just tried to do exactly the same. All the successes of 5, and it's a, it's a good game still, but all the successes are just off the back of Infinity Ward's technology. Mm. Like the story that's being told, the characters in it, I don't think they're very compelling. No. I, and I didn't and feel the set pieces very... in the game aren't a patch on any of the set pieces no, in, uh, in no. COD 4. And it's like, really short If, if you well. think all of the great moments in COD 4, the amazing set piece in that game where the helicopter goes down and you have to rescue the, 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 the pilot... And then the you know spoilers for anyone who's not who's not used to you know, hasn't played the game but you you should have get it quick because it's really good. Uh, the atomic bomb goes off as you're getting away, and then you have to drag your body from the flames, and then you straight into the SAMS mission where they're just kicking down doors trying to you know trying to find out who did it. You got the you know, you got the guy where you know part where you're um you're on the watchtower waiting for the, your a truck pulls up and you have to chase this guy through the streets and so on. So many great set pieces and. And of course, the um, the AC one thirty gunship mission where you're firing from the from the air. The, the trouble with World at War is every mission you've just named. That mission is in World at War, but an inferior version of. Yeah. There's like a, a version of Augilid Up where you're. It's the first Russian mission where you're like following a sniper around, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. You know, anywhere near as well as it did in four. So There's a mission where you're uh, in a plane, you know, shooting down well boats in the plane. And it just doesn't work quite as well as, as the one in four. And the, good Gary Oldman was, Russian accent, though. In yeah, five. it doesn't sound anything Freaking like Freaking hell, it. that's a good accent he's got there. Oldman can dish out on the accent front big Truth. time. I'll tell you, what, tell you what, just going off piste for a second. I watched uh, Eastern Promises with a David Cronenberg film. 
Yeah. Vigo Mortensen's Russian accent in that is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's just like unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I sat there like for an hour and a half, just like, couldn't <laughs> believe it. I went to see Bond the other day and it had a trailer for something Craig's in where he's got a Russian accent. I don't think it's that good. Have you uh, seen that trailer? No. I saw about some war in Russia. Might have been but yeah, Oldman, Oldman's <laughs> cracking Russian accent in, uh, in COD. Really good. In Hitman, um, the Hitman movie. Oh, that's not a strong that's film. That's a dreadful film. That's a truly truly dreadful. So. Great, great game. Truly dreadful film. But it's got T-Mag from Prison Break yeah, in it. Who's, who's an incredible actor, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he is a good a actor. A truly exceptional actor. I mean, if there's one breakout star from that show... Yeah. yeah, I think it's gonna. It should be him. I think it's gonna be him. I mean, he's just been in Transporters Three. Yeah, she's. It's got. I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it because man, Transporters Series that is a, that is some dumb shit. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the third one. But yeah, I mean, he's a he's an excellent actor. I can't say his Russian accent's strong. No, it's poor. It yeah. was poor in uh, in Hitman. That film though was absolutely was dreadful. dreadful. I got to the end and I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know what had happened. No, I had no idea what the story was. It's just a was. series of like scenes. Like one thing goes to another to another. It's a series of scenes. There's no connection. Like I remember, like, like a trailer. It's like a long trailer. Yeah. I remember him fighting a few other hitmen with knives. I was like, "What's going on?" Yeah. Where did they come from and why were they there? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm wondering if it was maybe one of those things where the director did this film and he was like. I have made a strong film, and then the studio came along and said, "No, no, you didn't. We're cutting, yeah. out. We're cutting an hour out of it." Yeah. I wonder if that happened, and it actually made more sense. It doesn't make any sense. No. If any readers want to, or listeners rather, want to email us and explain it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get it, but while we're talking about the readers, actually, um, we'll go back to games in a second. But we should thank our reader Skunk Plush, who uh, sent. Well, that's, that's his game tag. That's not his real name. I hope. Man, I mean, how gutted would you be if your name was Skunk Plush? Well, if it was two names, your surname was Plush and your first name was Skunk. That'd be that'd be good. If you yeah, you, were, you're, you were born, you're, you're named, uh, Mr. Plush. What what are you going to name your child? I christen you Skug Plush. <laughs> um, yeah, he sent us some sweets. Yeah, he did. And it was very good. We, of him. we would have reviewed them on the podcast, much like we did last time, because that everybody did enjoy our our sweet review. Uh, we had some strong sweets that day. Uh, well, actually, we didn't. We had some truly awful sweets, yeah, some tru- truly wrong. ghastly sweets. In fact, people will remember the kryptonite one, which I think was the worst. Yeah, by no, far. No, 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 no. The worst one was the one that the tasted of vomit. Yeah. Know, the, oh, yeah, but those were designed to taste yeah, bad. The kryptonite, the kryptoniter, that was designed <laughs> to be like a delicious candy. Anyway, sort. immediately after the podcast, we went back to the office. We were like, ha, let's play a joke on the, other, on the rest of the team. So we gave one to Jem, we gave one to Hoodie, and we gave one to You're going to give one to John. Thomas, Tom as well, and Alan, two guys who are in the office at the moment, freelancers. So we, everyone, we, Yeah, we them. dished them out to everyone, and everyone had the same reaction. Apart from Hoodie. Hoodie loved them. He got more. He, it, he took the rest fact, of the pack. He took, yeah, took the rest of the pack, plonked them on his desk, and, and, and continued to eat them over the course of the next two or three days. This is, uh, for anyone who well, didn't listen to the last podcast, this is a sweet that has a, a sugary outer. It's a sour, it's a sour pink sweet. Yeah. Like, like, a, like a hard-boiled sweet. With salt in the middle. Yeah, just like a, a, a centre of pure molten salt. Absolutely disgusting. Truly vile. We, everybody here, I said we were playing on hard mode, you know, you have to swallow. Yeah. Like your girlfriend. You have to swallow. <laughs> but guess what? No one could swallow. I swallowed. Listen back to the podcast. I managed it. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't realise that. I, I, had to, I, I was too busy gagging and spitting. <laughs> yeah. So, Pellet, we like talked a little bit about um, a violent games back then. Yeah. Oh, uh, very quickly before we move on to that, one more thing about Call of Duty. On Veteran, it is awful. 
it's it's just unfair. Like, why do you torture yourself? I, I want to actually get started on this. This is a, this is an important topic for me. When I play as like old Mickey Mickey Chief or the guy in Cod Four or guy in Cod Five. I want to feel like a badass. I want to feel like I'm storming through the streets like Rambo, taking guys out, bodies falling everywhere, people heads exploding, chainsaws going through people. I want to feel like I'm strong. Matt plays for like the challenge, don't you? Yeah. Well, I was going to touch on it in um, the achievement page that I've got in a few months' time, mm. but it started with Call of Duty Two. Um, funnily enough, for achievements, I only played on veteran for the first time for achievements. Before then, I was like an easy normal slash normal gamer. Um, and just the experience with Call of Duty 2 on the hardest mode, it was so different to, you know, anything else I've played before. Because in that game, you can't just run through popping people in the head, sprint past the rest. You have to take your time, use every bit of cover, and um, use smoke grenades, which I'd never like used in a game before. I don't think there was no call for them. And I just began to appreciate the level design, like every piece of that level, why it's there. Like if there's an overturn table here, and then you know, burnt out car there. Before, it was just like a scenery. I'd run past and shoot some guys. But for Call of Duty 2, I, I, I realised why it was there. So I could, you know, jump over one bit, duck round left to the other. And, uh, yeah, it just gave me a newfound respect for the game. And, you know, since then, I've tried to play everything on the hardest mode to get the same sort of experience. Mm. It doesn't always work. I remember it, playing it Black it, Sight. It comes on very much down. It goes down very much to the level designer, whether, yeah. oh, whether, whether it works or not. Yeah, I mean, area black site, area fifty one site, black site. I played that through on the hardest, and that was just atrocious level design. Why? Why like most about that game is the exploding barrels. <laughs> they, they, this that game. Lots. It's like it's like a world where there's only one natural resource, and that resource is exploding barrels. Same as Quantum of Solace, or yeah. rather <coughs> Casino Royale, which is we should call it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and Call of Duty World at War definitely didn't have that. Yeah, you're level playing. Design. So you're, you're playing on veteran, playing on the mm. hardest. Which, which some people have seen online. People, some people call it impossible. It's not. I, I managed to finish it in the end, but the penultimate level is a real dog. It's horrible. It took me probably about three hours to do one checkpoint. Yeah, see, for me, that I like the fourth attempt, it's going, I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm bumping the difficulty down. I, I just don't have the patience for that. just do not have the patience. No, it's, it stops being fun for me by about the third or fourth attempt. So yeah. It's like you're back in the day. Tim will know this. Fighting a boss in a rare game. Like the Mizar and Jet Force Gemini. Yeah, yeah. That's like, like shit. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather actually have a fight with myself. Yeah. Like in, in, like in Fight Club, the dude in the street just punching himself in the face. I would, I would enjoy that more than fighting the Mizar. Yeah. That was always a strange thing, though, is that they, they did that Crazo boss, and then, um, you know, like Goldeneye. I mean, like tr chasing Trevelyan around the cradle. I mean, that was. I don't remember that being that difficult. Was it or was it? I think on, it was on, on the, the harder settings. It's pretty tough. Right. Yeah. I don't really remember. It's one of those there's, there's bosses that I love, and regular listeners will know this, one of those bosses I love where you're actually fighting the boss and then you just keep on spawning other, other yeah. guys to kind of beat you up. Quantum of Solace does that with the end boss. I, was, I did that through on 007 or whatever the hardest thing is. And I died a couple of times. And then I just like, changed my tactic. I thought, right, I'll ignore the, the other guys, just go for the, the main boss. And you have to do a certain thing to kill him. Two shots and he's dead. Game over. <laughs> good really? good, good clear <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just no. It's oh, very very average game. So, well, Pellet, before you go on, one second. I didn't quite finish thanking Skunk Plush. Yeah, he sent us some sweets, some uh, crazy Japanese sweets. We they were so delicious. We enjoyed them in the office, which is why we're not re um, reviewing them on the podcast. Uh, they were excellent. We did send them. We have sent them a, a fantastic care package, which hopefully has arrived by the time this podcast has gone up. Uh, full of you know t-shirts and other gaming goodness. 
If anyone wants, uh, you know, a part of a piece of that action, send us. You don't have to send us sweets. Send us a letter. Send us something interesting. Send us something we can print in a magazine, and we'll be sure to get you something in the post. So, without spoiling things too much, Pele, we um, we have Fear Two in the office. We do review code. Fear, Fear Two Project Origin review code, which uh, we will have the first ever review anywhere. We're the first ones. Like yeah. um, PC gamer have been crowding around a bit because obviously it's quite a got a good PC heritage yeah. the Fear series yeah. we're, we're, and they crowded around it's like oh is this Fear 2 it's like yeah yeah we're the first first people in the a world few, to get a few snooze code. I gotta say there were the PC guys coming over saying yeah but they're always like that oh so it's uh, it's been consolified has it <laughs> interesting <Yeah. laughs> but we often get that from the boys on PC game and they'll come over and look at something that's uh, and sort of turn their nose up at it the thing is is that uh, they're, they're loving it at the moment because uh, most of the most of the games on PC now are console conversions anyway so mm. although um God, Empire Total War is coming out next year. Yeah. Early next year, Empire Total War. I'm going to have to kiss a month goodbye. That game is just unbelievable. And the sort of game which can only be done on PC. I've got a yeah. lot of time for PC gaming. Yeah. And that game's going to be incredible. So we got review code in. Uh, Matt's playing it. Um, without spoiling things too much, I think we can you know, say that it's pretty good. Yeah, I did a bit of research. I finished off Fear last weekend, ready for Fear 2. Um, I got near the end, I think, but I just thought, well, I better finish it off. And when I went back to it, I was, it wasn't as good as I remembered. I don't know. I, I never thought the combat was quite as good as everyone else did. I can appreciate the AI was all right, but the combat for me, there was always something lacking and there wasn't enough of Alma. There weren't quite enough scare moments in the game, something which I really wanted to get out of it. Um, fear too, though, I'm loving it. I, I really am. I think it's, um, it's rectified most of the problems of the original, not oh, not quite all of them, which I'll obviously speak about in the review. I can't really talk about now, but overall, it's a huge step up in quality. It looks so much better. Like fear looks dreadful now. Mm. Good particle effects, but the actual world itself is is awful. Um, Bear in mind, the um, Xbox version was like you know a port of a fairly aged PC. Yeah, game. about five years now, isn't yeah. it? Um, but no, looks really good. Brilliant blood. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, blood. That it, is one it, bloody it, game. You're, yeah, it gets left on every surface. Yeah. Yeah, you shoot someone, it's like really all over the floor, well. all over the so walls, all over the ceiling. It, it's, v- it's very much like what you were talking about earlier, Mike. I mean, that is now that those are some satisfying guns in that yeah. game. Yeah, amazing. And you, can, you can do the thing we were saying. You know, you can look at a room, prioritize the you know the most important guys, and go pop, 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 pop. Yeah, and just fire one burst into each, and they'll all be you know they'll, you'll drop them all. Yeah, really impressive. But the weapons are just are just brilliant. I'm hoping I haven't yet found the penetrator yet. I'm only penetrator. about halfway through, so hopefully it's going to pop up in the next half. Scary. Um, there's a few jump moments. I don't think it's scary. It hasn't been scary yet, but there's definitely a lot more scare in inverted common moments. I think they. I mean, I don't want. Yeah, like like you say, I don't want to talk about it too much. But I think with what they've what they've done is that they've. They've used a lot of the new tech to kind of make a lot more sort of flickery kind of yeah. effects, you know. There's and a like, lot more armor. Yeah, and a lot of lot sort more. of flashbacky moments, but like seconds of flashback rather than, do you know what I mean? Like you just see it and then it's there kind yeah, of thing. You'll have these visions where you, you see something for a second and it's yeah. gone. And I think they've done that quite well. And um, we were talking about the music in the office this morning. I mean, it's not like massively. If you if you're a sort of big movie fan or you know horror movie fan, the, the music isn't going to be that surprising because it sounds like a sort of horror movie music. But I, I actually think it works quite well in Fear. I think it's yeah. like 
really it brings a real atmosphere to it. And uh, I kind of like the way that the music kind of builds up to a crescendo and you're thinking, oh, shit, something's coming and then nothing comes. And I think that's kind of quite, that's quite an old horror movie tactic. But I think it's quite effective within, uh, within the game. Yeah, I mean, if, there's a couple of things. I know that the guys at PC Gamer were, were a bit disappointed that Kung Fu's been dropped this time. Mm. But um, I've got to say, it's not something I ever used in the No, I, game I never anyway. did. I, I was I always just bothered. a gunslinger, you know. Um, no, really good. Lots more scare moments. None of them, like, terrifying yet. Um, I, do th- I do think, like, games that kind of set out to be, yeah, were scary uh, are almost inevitably disappointing. I think it's like uh, a lot of it kind of goes back to what uh, you and Mike were talking about Far Cry earlier. A lot of the atmosphere around a game comes from the world. You know, for, for personally, I found Bioshock quite unsettling in places, you know, and, and there was one bit particularly that made me jump out my, jump out my skin. But, um, but, you know, it's very subjective as well. You know, one person's kind of scary as another Which person's. terrified you in Bioshock? The plane crash. crash. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The bit where I went descent into Rapture. No, um, there was a bit in. It was quite early on. I was about a third, third of the way into it, and uh, I sort of went into like this sort of steam roomy kind of area. I'm sure I've told this story on on the podcast. But I went to a steam steam room area, and uh, and it was all clear and stuff. And I was just looking around, and you know they use sound effects so well in the yeah, in Bioshock. Well. And I was playing it on my surround sound headphones, so I could hear like people behind me and stuff. And Someone said, right, I'm watching you, or I can see you, or something like that. I was just like, ooh. So I turned around and looked around, and there was no one there. And then the room started filling with steam. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, here we go. Something's going to come out and jump out on me. So I sort of backed up against the wall, got my, got my gun, and uh, just, just kind, of, kind of waited. And, uh, and then the room cleared of steam, and there was no one there. And I was like, okay, they're just... Cause you know how they play with sound and stuff in that game? I was just thinking, oh, well, it's just a little... Anyway, I had a there was a like a, a sort of anti room kind of on the thing. I went in, had a look around, and I just hit. I can see you. I'm watching you. I was like, Ugh. so I backed out of this this anti room, came back into the steam room, and the steam it filled with steam again. And I was like, okay, this time he must be coming. Nothing happened. So I was like, I've had enough of this. This is this is creeping me out. So the steam clears, and then on the other side of the room, I spotted a little, you know, a first aid health thing. So I went over and just topped up that, and then. Uh, uh, I was talking about and and I could they said, I heard I can see you I'm watching you. I turned around. It was literally this freak was just like <laughs> standing right behind me. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> actually, made me jump out my skin. But it was such a good. It was such a. It's the anticipation. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, and yeah, also, you built it up. You built it up. You knew, you knew something was there, and you knew it was coming. Exactly. And it's just like I say in the old horror movie tactic where you hear it and it's not there and you hear it and it's not there and then you hear it and then it is there, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I just, although it's like a mass, it's not particularly like uh, a revolutionary way to scare people. I just thought, and the general atmosphere in Bioshock I found was quite, um, it was creepy and sort of a little bit, yeah, like the, fr- the freaks you had to face mm. and that sort so of stuff. This is a sense of like, okay, something bad's going to happen. Around and the, the whole corner. world had a kind of sense of dread about yeah. it. It's sort of descent into this kind of, hellish sort of place you know I just and like you say with Far Cry Far Cry wasn't scary but you know just you get into the world you're totally there yeah. you know and I think that's what makes a game scary you'd um if you're anything like me you would hate um Fatal Frame I was playing it on like the that. Wii it's like that game it just makes me afraid of my own house but yeah. what they do is they do this really clever thing where you'll you'll grab a door handle and then you can push the door open but at any point as you're pushing the door open you can just pull it closed 
So you'll be pushing the door open and something will go, and you'll be like, oh, you slam the door shut. You'll be like, oh, I don't need to go in there. Yeah. But you, of course, you know you need to. You've yeah. got to go through there. So you open it again, and it's like, and you're like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll come back later and you'll turn around and it'll be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right there in front of your face. Like, yeah. Oh. And, every, and what makes it worse is everything in the game looks so ghastly. Yeah. All of the ghosts in that game just look horrible. It's so grainy anyway. They put this off. This oh, it grainy just, it just filter looks over. Vile. I love it. I just I don't need that in my life. I two more things before we move on from Fear Two. One, it feels quite like Condemned. Well, obviously it's very much a shooter. So that, even though Condemned Two had lots of guns, it's still a shooter at heart rather than a first-person basher with guns thrown yeah. in. Um, but just like the location, some of the enemies that you fight, um, you have to like move objects more, like kick things out the way, and just the way that you feel like in inside your your character. That, that's very much like condemned. The other thing, I'll just say one moment from the game. Very early on, it's in the first level. But uh, like I said earlier, there's there's lots more armor this time. Lots more armor growing up actually. Um, Whereas the first game was mostly Amra as a little girl. But I, I went in this room and it started flashing. And I knew something was going to happen. So I like checked around the room. Didn't see anything. Started backing away. I couldn't back, you know, back out for whatever reason. So I jumped and tried to back out. But I got stuck on something. And my head was like at the ceiling. I was like, what's going on? So I was looking around. To know what's happened. Look down. I'm standing on little Alma, eight year old girl. So I like, hopped off. Like, Sorry, love. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to patch things up, but uh, I don't think she was having any of it. She, uh, she went impressed. No, she, she like that. That girl needs a bullet in the head. Um, we were saying this in the office actually yesterday. It's like Alma, you do feel sorry for her. She was yeah. like tortured and exploited in the first game. Like by the end of it, Alma's not the the bad guy or girl at all. She's uh, she's the victim of it all. Yeah. I don't quite get. At the um, same time, she's still like in Japanese horror movies. Like in Japanese horror movies, like the, the ghost is always a victim, yeah, in some way. But once they're dead, they come back as vengeful spirits, you know. I don't get so, why she's trying to kill you though, because in the she, first she's one, just a vengeful spirit. She's going to kill everyone. I but think. you're her son. Yeah. So, uh, but like maybe because in, in, in like in in these in the Grudge, in the Ring, and all these horrib- all these other horrible horrible movies, I don't know why people watch them. But the the spirit is indiscriminate, you know. Mm. It ha- it will pick on what it will it will have some arbitrary reason for picking on you, and once it does, it's like you're going to end up dead at some point, uh, unless you blow up with a nuclear bomb, mm. which she definitely needed. Um, I would say that um, fear. For all of its strengths, um, does have a, a either sequel like the first game has a real bad case of monolith level design, which is to say, they don't signpost the routes you should be taking well, and the spaces really do feel like they were designed as combat arenas rather than as real world locations. And you can do both, and you can make them feel like real places, and at the same time give them a good place to fight. And I think Monolith, they just like say, okay, here's be a great place to have a big fight. We can put loads of broken glass and particle effects and papers billowing around here. That'd be great. It never feels quite like a level. The one weakness of all of their games has always been the level design. Um, to me, it just feels like I'm, I'm just in a, inside a, you know, like a, you, know you, you build like a, a house inside a shoebox and then you just float it in space. And that's, that's like where you're fighting. It feels like a series of boxes floating in space to me. Uh, rather than like a real world that I'm walking around. For all of its strengths, that is its one weakness. And that, that for me, that's not a huge issue because it doesn't affect the combat. But it does affect certain things like pathfinding and so on. Mm. Because where you would logically expect to find things, like in your head, you know, you think, okay, well, this would be the logical route to take. It won't necessarily be the logical route in their game because their level designs and their 
real world in inverted commas locations don't follow logical architecture and logical spatial design that for me is well, it's probably a bigger issue for me than it is for most people but it, uh, the the spaces that i'm exploring always defy my expectations and that that kind of um i find that quite off-putting so another big game that we've had our hands on this month is resi 5 the old japanese mm. japanese demo that went up um, we've had hands on it with, with it before of course in E3 yeah, and Leipzig yeah, yeah. but it's the first time we've actually had code in the office in to the play office, yeah. ironically code which everyone in Japan is enjoying quite right now yeah. and lots of people in the UK and US with Japanese accounts Japanese accounts <laughs> who got on board who managed to download it before Capcom locked them out and of course people who've managed to find it on the internet we're not going to direct you anywhere but you can find this demo on the internet and it will download run it and burn it onto a CD and you, or a memory stick and you can just put it straight onto the system that way and um Opinion in the office is a bit mixed. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I'll jump in because I've I've been Resi fan from from day one. Uh, I think everyone just wanted Resi Four in HD, and, and everyone got has got Resi Four in HD. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people now are suddenly kind of regretting what they wished because while well, Resi Four in HD is great, the bar's been you've raised sti- you've still since Resi Four before, yeah. Now, I mean, Mike, you had a brilliant point. I don't think the bar's been raised. I think the bar's been moved sideways. I, I don't think... I know the game you, you would highlight is raising the bar will be Dead Space, but I don't think Dead Space raises the bar in any way. I think what it does is move the bar to the, a few feet to the right or to the left. It's, you know, it's very, very good, but it doesn't better... Resi 4 is still the better game in terms of pacing, bosses, you know, the, the way it's that's, structured. That was my thing with Dead Space. I, like, I love Dead Space, but for me, it, um, the, again, it was one of those games which was weak in one area, which was the... Um, the, the pacing of it, the peaks and the troughs, it, there aren't any in that game. It's just one steady line with the occasional peak, like a big boss fight or so on. Um, but Res- yeah, Resident Evil 4 is such huge peaks and troughs, bits, bits of high action, bits of tension, bits of emotion. It's constantly going up and down. It's a ridiculously long game as well. To keep up the variety they have in that game over such a long period is astonishing. I think, though, Isaac's control and... Um Enemy behaviour, the whole strategic dismemberment thing. Works Going really to five well, now, yeah. it feels a little dated. Definitely. And one thing you should be doing in five, I think, is when you shoot someone in the leg, you should be able to permanently cripple them. In the, so mm. they have to drag themselves towards you. If you shoot someone's arm off, they should lose that arm. But, you know, you can't take body parts off. There are no physics to the bodies either. So when you shoot someone, they, they collapse in pre, pre-animated scenes. In fact, what I find myself doing is going up to every enemy, getting my pistol out, aiming down, shooting them in the kneecap. And then running up as Chris, bam, uppercut, they're yeah. down. Or a Sheva, run up, do a somersault kick and the every knife, time. And the knife is still the old Resident Evil knife. You stand there slicing and yep. slicing away. Like, the modern game design suggests to me that you should be able to run up and stab them with the knife, you know, yank it across them, take a body part off, yeah. you know. Because it's not, it's not a knife he's using, it's a giant cleaver. You know, you should a big machete. So you should be just like hacking through these guys with these things. And... That yeah, definitely. There, there are certain things you expect in modern games, which Resident Evil Five doesn't seem like mm. it's going to be doing. Of course, it, we should point out the two sections they've demoed are two moments of high action from early in the game. Parts we've seen at E3 and at Leipzig before. They aren't necessarily representative of the entire game. We can't say if the game's going to be peaks, you know, like high action all the way, or peaks and troughs like Resi I'm Four. Sure I would imagine it'll troughs. lean towards the Resi Four template. I mean, my my impressions of the demo were it was very much centered around co-op play. If you play that single player, then it suffers. Well, that demo, I think, in particular, is balanced for two players. Like, there are certain sections which are hard as hell with just the one player. And 
it does feel... I mean, Resident Evil 4 was a huge step for the Resident Evil franchise, mm. but Resident Evil 4 came out a long time ago, and it does... There's certain things which feel kind of archaic, and you play them in Resident Evil 4, and you're, okay, that's, that's fine, because the, we, we accept it within the context in which it was released, and with doing so, you can appreciate all of the other things that the game does so, so well, and the things that it pushed forward in, in video games. Resident Evil 5 is quite backward-looking rather than forward-looking. I mean, Resident Evil 4 was looking so far forward. Every game that's come out since, every shooter has copied it in some way. Gears of War wouldn't exist if it weren't for Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 5 wouldn't exist if it weren't for Resident Evil 4 either. <laughs> and it's very, very clear that just the design choices they made, having pre-canned animations, having the old Resident Evil knife, having uh, guns which you know, you're not stripping parts off of them and so on, uh, even the layout of the levels and so on. I don't think the Shantytown's as strong as a village. I no. don't think in... And it's layout. Plus, there's a whole bit where the room you start off in, you can get above that. There's a way to, when you when the executioner bursts through, you can duck left, climb up some ladders, get on top of that original building, and the executioner can't get you up there. It's yeah. almost like the, um, remember the, was it like a bell tower in Yeah, there was, there was a tall tower in Resi 4. You could just get up there and just, as the guys came climbing up to you, just pick them off. Yeah, but could they throw stuff up at you? Occasionally they, they throw axes. Yeah they, they this, can, yeah, they could throw things at them. In this, there's none of that. So... You're up there, and literally there'll be like one, two guys maybe hop up at a time, take them out, and you're safe up there. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's a lot smaller than the village as well. Yeah, it's a lot prettier in the village, of course, but yeah, you know, has to be expected this generation. And it, I think perhaps it's only in that regard that it's better at Resident Evil 4. Like, the visuals, it looks incredible. Chainsaw but Man as well. It's very like, old-fashioned. Yeah, I was just about to mention him. Very sort of old-fashioned kind of... I mean, the way you, you were dealing with him was just... I, I was... As long running, as he doesn't, turning, shooting, he's got yeah, an animation turning, where like he raises the chainsaw slightly to bring it down and obviously chop your head off, or not for the Japanese demo because it's slightly censored. Yeah. Um, he, as long as you run past him just before he starts that animation, you're fine. So like he, you can let him come right up to you. You can be plugging in with bullets, and then he'll start that animation. You just literally run past his shoulder. You, you're standing right by him for about you know two three seconds, which is a lot in a horror game. And then you run by him, turn around do the same thing, he'll run up to you, he'll start that animation, run past him as well. I know just, like games like Dead Space have got me out of that way of thinking yeah. where you, you can get up close with an enemies and as, as long as you like move before that animation starts, you're fine. Yeah, you sort I of expect them to lunge on your face these days, you know. I'm yeah, sure there'll be bad guys in the game which do that. I mean, like if you look at Resi 4, there were the, um, the acid vomiting bug things which will just jump straight on you and like pounce on you. This guy is obviously like a, a homage to the brilliant Dr. Salvador in um, Resident <laughs> Evil for uh, the guy with the chainsaw. But um, even he was like a nicer piece of character design and everything. He was like, you know, much more archetypal of that. Of you, like he's got a, got a bag on his head, he's yeah. got a chainsaw. He's wearing this like very like, you know, kind of yokelish sort of outfit. He's, he's like just a great character. This guy, not so much, not so interesting. And God damn, he can soak up a lot of bullets. And the game mm. really feels like it's been balanced for two players to play it. But you know, if you're trying to show off your co-op demo, it has to be expected. One thing which really strikes me about Resident Evil 5 is just how Western it is. If you look at Resi 4, even that's quite Japanese in various ways, but in particular the hero, he's kind of um, very much a Japanese piece of character design. He's kind of um, not effeminate, but you know he's androgynous in a way. Yeah. He's, he's like you know very uh, he's a kind of a pretty boy and so on. And his um, his relationship with the lead female in the game is a, or is a you know a big brotherly one rather than you know a, a sexual one. Whereas in um, in Resi Five, it certainly seems like the hero is much more Western. He's much mu he's muscular. Yeah, he's just covered in stubble. He's like you know yeah. a big. He's a big Duke Nukem kind of guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. They, they with the you know the chick in the game kind of you know they they're they're 
there's a tension there, you know, which isn't in Resident Evil 4. Even the, the design choices, co-op is very much a Western thing. They introduced that, I think, primar primarily to appeal to the Western audience. Mm. Uh, it's a much more Western-looking game. I think Capcom have been doing that with so many of their games lately, really looking towards the Western audience. Even, like, ditching typewriters and having in, like, checkpoints and what we think is a level system. Yeah, you know, of course. They, 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 are, they, they don't have, you know, um, uh, like, save points in the traditional way as we understand it now. It's kind of, you know, you do get you get a much more Western system where you hit a checkpoint and, okay, that's it, you know, you'll restart there next time. I don't know whether it's just me, but, I, I mean, obviously co-op is, is good fun. I mean, as you said before on the, the podcast, you know, anything co-op in any game makes it X percent more fun. But um, the single-player section with her kind of tailing around behind you, I don't know, she sort of gets in the way a bit and yeah. it's kind well, of like, you Ashley know. in Resident Evil 4 never got in your way, but that's because you were protecting her. Basically... Yeah. The way they made her never annoying, and she really was never annoying. I remember Ubisoft was saying that um, Elika in Pop Prince of Persia would never be annoying. That's, well, that, that's, that's not true. She's no. a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, the reason Ashley was never annoying is because she basically walked in your footsteps. Yeah. You, when you were in control of Leon, you were actually controlling her as well. Anywhere you moved the stick, she was moving too. And then when you came up to like a big fight, you say, Ashley, get in that box. Yeah, out exactly, the way entirely. Yeah. And she would get in the box, she would just be safe, you know. And because she was always standing behind you, and if you had to turn around and fire over her head, she would duck. She was never an annoyance. She walked in your footsteps. She followed your movement precisely. Now, Sheva will do her own thing. You can issue her orders using the B button, and you can hold it to change her the way she acts. But she is fighting, and she, is, she will occasionally take the initiative and so on. And that makes her a royal pain in the ass. I mean, at this stage, it should be said that her AI isn't final. No. Matt, you caught her doing something strange the other day, didn't Oh, you? man, she was trying to knife open a barrel but she couldn't do it so she was locked in this dance where she kept whipping out a knife and putting it back and whipping it out while this barrel just like stood there <laughs> laughing at her it's like what's it's going on but barrel. I mean it really came it really brought it really brought home how annoying she was when um, you were playing Matt the, uh, the bit with the chainsaw guy and you were trying to avoid him and kind of get, get some space to kind of take a shot and stuff every time she was in your way yeah in fact, at the end of that, she ended up the one dying, and yeah. like, the the game the, the demo ended there because uh, she stood around while Chainsaw Man approached and got her head cut off. Yeah, it's just I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, it's just uh, we like we say, it's not necessarily representative. I mean, it is representative of the final game, but it's not. You know, we we're not writing <laughs> it off be, by any stretch. There should be fixed, no doubt. But I think it's just you know we've been looking forward to this. Resi Four was such a seminal game. And I think it's just um, a sort of slight air of disappointment about what we've what we found in 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 the demo so far. I mean, maybe when the final it's more thing than anything, it's in. just that it's a backward looking game rather than a forward looking yeah. game. And I think we've been we've been sort of concerned about that for a while. When uh, Rob played at E three and when I played it at Leipzig, we both came away with the same impression, which was it's walking in Resident Evil Four's footsteps, but mm. it really is walking behind. It's not so much you know. It's not even treading the path; it's just following. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's not saying okay, we'll follow up to a point and we'll do our own thing. We you know, we'll we'll really take advantage of the next generation. I spoke to one of the producers on the game over in uh, Leipzig, and I said, "So you know, what are you doing to take advantage of next generation systems?" You know, he said, he said like, you know, well, the graphics are amazing, and you know, we have these destructible walls on some buildings and so on." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, what else? Like, you know, online play." And beyond that, it was kind of like. 
that's quite, that, that's pretty much where it ends. Yeah. When you think you can do so much more dynamic stuff with the enemies and and with you know with the with your character as well, you can give them so much more of a range of motions and so on. You don't even have to sacrifice the Resident Evil mechanic of standing on your ground fighting off bad guys. You know that that still works within that system, but you, you can still give the guy a dodge. You know the ability to roll when the um, when someone swings a big axe at him and so on. Yeah. And you can still give him the ability to. Instead of shooting a guy in the leg and him going out and then keeping coming at you, and that that counts as like a certain percentage off of their hit bar, you know you can do it so you can actually dismember guys and maybe you know because they're infected with the plagas they can keep coming at you, mm. but these come at you in different ways and their AI changes based on where, if they're missing their hand or their arm or their yeah. head. You can you can do that with modern technology and they haven't taken advantage of that. No. And that's a real shame, I think. A mm. real, a real, real shame. But I have absolutely no doubt the game's going to be super. Yeah. As a disclaimer, while we say, oh, it's not as good as Resi 4 so far, Resi 4 was the, the game, the game of, of last generation. generation. Yeah, no question. Well, by far, I won the games of last generation. So one other game we saw from Capcom, we'll just go, uh, talk, uh, uh, go off piste once again, is uh, we saw the boys on Endgamer playing Dead Rising on, uh, on uh, Wii the other day. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Tell you what though, zombie parrots and zombie poodles. I did like that. What? It was rubbish. <laughs> it's it's now um, very much a running gun game. It's all about the it's shooting. But I tell you what, it? I tell you what, guys, look at that game, and that's what Dead Rising Two is going to be like. I guarantee you, it'll be it'll have the technical ability of you know the first game on the Xbox. It'll have like the big floods of zombies. One of the reasons like the Wii version fails is because you got like seven zombies, like seven and they zombies pop up in front of you, and like when you get near to them, they're like, all right, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And and you can't mash them up in such interesting ways. Yeah. Uh, but like the way the mission structure works in that game, the way they, the changes are made to the save system, the way the changes are made to the leveling system, guarantee you all Dead those Rising things 2. will be in yeah. Dead Rising Two. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily mind the the change in the save system because I, for one, was I, not. I think the was mission not system's a, good as well. Was not a big fan of the save system in the first game. I think it it. Um, it benefited freaks like Pellet, who were who were amazing at games, but for 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 rubbish gamers like me, it was a, it was a struggle. And I think you know, so I'm not dead against it. What what kind of disappointed me a bit was uh, one of you just said I can't remember Mike. I think it was you. Is that it's basically turned into just a run and gun, or maybe it was mm. Matt who said it. Yeah. But anyway, you know, you you're just going at zombies, bam, bam, blam, and that he's he, Frank's all armed all armed up now with shotguns and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's loaded to teeth. Taking I mean, advantage got, of the pointy controls, they're giving yeah, him lots of guns. I mean, you got that eventually in, in in the first game, but I mean, before that, it was a big build up to actually being armed uh, with proper weapons. You know, I mean, before that, you were going into stores and you know but taking. Now, again, out. there are changes they've made which I like. They changed the camera angle so it's more like a Resident Evil camera angle, it's like or Gears of War, where it's right up behind your shoulder. Mm. So when you aim, it zooms right behind your shoulder and the camera's like basically always covering the top half of your body rather than in De- um, Dead Rising, it used that the, the, on the Xbox. It used um, the sort of old style third person camera where the camera's pulled out from afar and yeah. you can see his whole body and so on, which is kind of which feels kind of dated now. And the mission structure is really good as well. You collect your mission, you go ahead and do it, you know, you go ahead and you know, get, you get stuck into this mission, you head back and okay, now you get another one and you can pick up little submissions along the way, of course. But you never feel like, okay, I'm never going to be able to do all of these missions in the time limit, so I'm just going to give up on this game, get myself killed and then restart at that level again yeah. on a whole new mission. Also, you don't ever feel like you're under siege. I mean, the first one, you, I mean, the zombies weren't, weren't runners like they are in Resi or, you mm. know, 28 Days Later or whatever, but uh, 
but the, there were such a an army of them and they're coming at you relentlessly coming at you that um that you did feel like mm. there was an especially air, underground air like if you were in yeah, the underground definitely. tunnels and your car broke down yeah. which if you were going for the zombie genocide achievement it would do a lot yeah then you were stuffed. Yeah, yeah. Like you get on top of a van and you'd just be surrounded you, from you all just, sides. You would end up, you'd, your weapons would end up burning out so yeah. quickly. Even if you had all the books, you'd just slice through so many and eventually you'd have no weapons left to fight them with. And I just, so then you'd have to climb up on their heads and walk across their heads, yeah. which is always good. There's a lot I liked about Dead Rising, even though like my dislike for the game is kind of legendary on the podcast. Uh, there was a lot I liked. And I'm looking forward to Dead Rising 2 because I think it will fix everything. Yeah. For me, though, the game's still just Dynasty Warriors in a mall. Yeah, I think it will. Yeah, I mean, it with is a really a, crap save system and a really crap mission system, and a guy who phones you constantly oh, saying, yeah. "Have you done this mission yet? No, go and do that mission." Hey, Mike, you done that mission yet? No, better go and do it. Hey, Mike, you done that mission yet? Better Good go and do Otis. it. Yeah, yeah, Otis, he was the he was very very annoying in that bloody weasel. bloody phone going off the whole time as yeah. well. All <laughs> oh, right, I know. I got you. Got you. Want to tell me something? Just shut up. But anyway, yeah, we saw it and uh, and and. Yeah, the reason I mentioned it was because I think they will take across some of the stuff, like you say. That, uh, yeah. But I, hopefully not the zombie poodles and zombie parrots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I saw, I, I was watching uh, watching Sky Movies. I don't know whether I mentioned this on the on the podcast last time. I watched a new Resi uh, Evil film because it was just popped up on Sky. And it's I'm, Apocalypse. Oh, no, Extinction. Um, the third extinction, one. Extinction, yeah. yeah. And then zombie crows in that. I'm sorry, Z- zombie animals. Count me out of that. Don't know. Um, Resident Evil Outbreak had a zombie elephant. Yeah, that was a strong was a, boss yeah, fight. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's strong. Was zombie it? elephant. I haven't, I haven't played that, but uh... talk about Resi movies. Obviously, Resi Degeneration is any good? Um, no, no, not it's, really. <laughs> it's like no. It's uh, it's alright. Even as a you know, massive Resi fan, I can I can't really say. Well, it's miles better than the real action Resi films, that's for sure. But then, so is a turd in the bag. Yeah. So turd in the bag. Mila Jovovich's uh, Resident Evil Five films compared to a turd in a bag. I'm um, I'm writing this thing for for one of our uh, uh, a DVD mags in London about um, about video games that have become movies, and um, I was transcribing an interview with Paul W S Anderson last oh, night. Hello, Paul. Where he was Paul talking Event about Horizon Anderson. That's right. Where he was talking about the Resident Evil films, and basically making an excuse as to why they were rubbish. Uh, but he was also talking about the Castlevania film that he's making. Hmm. And, um, is that the one that's written by Warren Ellis? Because Warren Ellis is working on a, Resident, uh, a Castlevania project. Oh, really? I don't know. But anyway, he's... he's No, 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 because he's writing it and producing it. Okay. Right. Some other douche is, is directing this it. This might be an animation thing that Ellis is working on. It might even not even be going ahead. It was a couple of years ago I heard about it. But he said one weird thing while I was transcribing it last night. He was talking about it saying, you know, that it's going to be all set in the castle and the castle's going to be the star of it and it's going to be like... It sounded like he, he's sort of pitching it as Indiana Jones meets Dracula, you know, basically. Yeah. Which, you know, is not the the not a massive step. But he said, and it stars the 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 main character is a guy called Trevor Belmont. I was like, wait, wait a minute. There wait is a, a Trevor Belmont in the series. Is there? Yeah. But for me, Simon Belmont is synonymous with Castlevania. He's one of the many Belmonts. But he's he's the one that's been in most of them, isn't it? Or is it? I don't know. I've only played a couple. They, of They mix it up. It's like oh, it's, it's right. Belmonts upon Belmonts upon Belmonts. So they keep oh, on right. setting it in different generations. And oh, okay. Because I was yeah, like, for me, like Trevor the, the, Belmont. The name to pick would be Simon Belmont. Yeah, you yeah. don't want Terence Belmont. For, That's right. Like, but, fronting you know, your movie, Trevor. You know, so like my main star is called Trevor. Trevor Belmont. Interesting, though. Trevor and Simon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. They were they were good, weren't they? Were they? Oh, yeah. Probably not. No. 
before we move on to questions, one game that you'll appreciate this, one game I've been playing recently, Memory of Rob, Barrow Hill. Really? Remember the old Cornish yeah, yeah, stone yeah, yeah, circles? Yeah. Any good? Started it, it's all right. It's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Well, where did, you, where did you get that? Uh, Rob lent it to me. Oh, right. I gave him like Tunguska, Secret Files Tunguska or something, and he gave me Barrow Hill. And that's uh, no, all right. Strong Cornish accents. Yeah? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But uh, you find some guy locked in the kitchen. And um, if, it were, in an if office. it were really a proper Cornish accent, you would need to understand the word. Well, I, I didn't actually understand half it, but some guy was locked in the office, and uh, apparently something something was out there. And he's like, oh, "Don't don't want to go out there." It's like, what? <laughs> okay. Don't want to go out there. <laughs> um, no, it's quite funny. Really, really good scare moment in it as well. Yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't like make you go ah or anything, but you. Um, go f- you, you pick up a torch and you like explore into th- you go into the forest and you're going down this path where there are lights and you, you suddenly get locked you can't move and you're locked into this scene where the lights one by one f- you know f- from far away stop going out until you're in pitch black and it's like oh no and you start shining your torch unfortunately it ends up it, there's just a stone standing in front of you, which is a bit disappointing. Uh. But when the lights are coming off, you're like, oh, crap. That's Trying quite to click good. See, building tension. It worked really well. Stuff. And then it was a stone. And, uh, and, and if you touch the stone, you die. <laughs> so. I love it. I really how merciless they were in old games. I don't love it. I hate it. But in old games, it would just be like, hey, listen, you're dead. Better luck next time, asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> next time you'll know not to touch you, aren't you? <laughs> so there's no, there's no clue that it's going to, there's no clue to it. There's nothing that says which might kill you. Nothing, there's nothing, you know, there's no warning signs. Go up to it and you go, what this is? Click, dead. Good luck next time, asshole. Yeah. Reload that save. <laughs> so as you, as you boys well know, before we go into questions, as you well know, I'm a, a big fan of Football Manager on the, um, on the, uh, on the, well, no, I play it on the Mac, but um, I have played it on the Xbox, but mostly I'll play it on the Mac. I'll tell you who's not a big fan of Football Manager, and that's a, uh, we shall, shall go and named major US gaming website, who, uh, when was it? A couple of weeks ago? Pa- pa- posted a review. December 5th. December the 5th. Posted a review of uh, Football Manager 2009. Bear in mind, this is one of the greatest sports games that anyone could ever possibly wish to lay their hands on. And also, obviously, you know, as we all know, it's not a PES or a FIFA. You know, you're not, you're not taking control of the team. It's, it's, all about, it's all about the stats. It's all about team management. It's incredibly in-depth and it's absolutely amazing. However... This uh, this website, Mike. What what what's what, what do they think of it? Well, they do say I couldn't imagine why anybody would prefer a worldwide soccer manager, which is what it's called in America, yeah. to FIFA 09 or Pro Evolution Soccer 2009. Right. It's interesting. That's an interesting thing to say. An interesting comparison to draw. Yeah. Um, this is a game solely intended for hardcore soccer fans. Well, that's that's, a, that's, a, that's fair enough. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, it is. That, yeah. is. that is a fair thing to say. Um, Although the game's database of more than 350,000 real-life soccer players is certainly impressive, which it is. Which it is, yeah. Only the most diehard fans of the sport would be able to appreciate having such a massive pool of talent to sift through. And the casual fan would almost certainly find the task overwhelming. I did. Yeah. Now, this does raise an interesting question. When you've got a game like this, you know, any game, do you give it to someone who's a fan of the series or do you give it to someone who's like, you know, Joe Schmo, like this guy, he's, he's come yeah. to the game with no knowledge, no prior knowledge and didn't like it. You give it two out of ten. It, I believe. And I think the answer is never... You don't give it to a fan series. That's a bad thing to do because, you know, they're going to bring a, a bias to the game. What you need to do is give it to someone who's knowledgeable of the series, yeah. at least, if someone has knowledge. And 
I think the mistake here, the what's most interesting about it is, is that the UK branch of this website um, gave the game a big score, you know, because they brought it to give it. So it's a huge game over here. Everyone knows it. But this is like the American guy who was set loose on the game. Not so much. Doesn't, doesn't, well, it's not so familiar with the series. The, the, it's the equivalent of giving me Madden you know madam manager to review you know like so reviewing an american football game which has no like actual play in it it's all about the stats and the rosters and all that sort of stuff i mean i wouldn't have a clue where to start as far as traditional gameplay goes tim there really isn't any in worldwide soccer manager 2009 (laughs) apart from apart from managing your roster and coaching your team there really isn't anything to do at all that's a horrible sentence by the way there really isn't anything to do at all you could have dropped like half the words from that sentence and went and lost the thing so unless you really enjoy clicking on menu buttons, you'll find your interaction in this game extremely disappointing. We had to mention it because, um, because uh, you know, regular podcast uh, uh, listeners will know that I'm a massive fan. What well, a massive nerd manager. you are for this game, yeah. more than any other game. Um, we, like, Tim is um, so busy doing, you know, editing the magazine that it's not often he gets stuck into the Xbox games. No. Always dabbles, always has a, a fiddle, but it doesn't get to spend a lot of time with them. When Champ Manager comes in, he's lobby's lost to us. Deal me in a bit with a bit of that, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the crazy part is though, there are a few things about this review I kind of agree with. Th- which is you guys are gonna be like, hang on, Mike. Hang on. No, there's a couple of things. Check this out. Um he says like it's an incredibly complex menu system. He says that's a bad thing. No, it's not. That's perfectly acceptable. But he does say he's got presentation problems, which I think Champ Manager does. It's like he says things like there's no sound, there's no, um, you know, the the actual games themselves are just like basically dots moving around the field and so on. And I think Chat Manager is at the point where they could put in like a decent system to have this year. Yeah, this year. I haven't played this year's one. Yeah, Football Manager this year has got a better, a much better match engine. Oh, the thing is, is I said to Matt when we were talking about it in the office, is that they would, I mean, if they gave it two out of 10 based on its uh, in game engine now i mean you go back five or six years it literally at least it was counters on the on the pitch in the last version i mean five years ago it was a small bar at the bottom that said arsenal are attacking uh has had a shot and you actually yeah, and have the to read it back and forward yeah yeah it wasn't even before that it wasn't oh. even that it was just something just text that flashed up so i mean they would have had a horror show if they'd seen that <laughs> but anyway i needed to mention it because it's a it's another thing which i find curious about this uh, review is like they said that, you know however if you're a big footy fan a big fan of sports simulation you'll be extremely impressed with the depth of worldwide soccer manager so as you have control over every facet of your team and draw from a player pool is simply mind-boggling you go through this whole thing and to be honest for a two out of ten review it's, it's, it's not, not too that bad, negative yeah. It doesn't sound that negative to me. This reads more like a, a five out of ten review, and I know, but like, if you look at like forums and so on, when people like talk about magazines, and they'll, they'll always do the score report. You know, they, you know the Xbox World gave this game whatever scores, then Gamer gave this game whatever scores, mm. and uh, people will debate their scores and whether they agree with them or not. And of course, that's bullshit because most of the time people haven't even played the games. And but they'll always have that discussion. But what they never consider is the actual text. Mm. And for me, if you know, if in this case. You see, if see they give the game two out of ten, you'd be like, "Well, that's just outrageous." Mm. If you read the text; it's not entirely unreasonable. It's 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 wrong, yeah. I think, in, in many in many ways, and it's right in a couple of ways, but it's certainly not unreasonable. It makes it doesn't. Well, I wouldn't say it argues its case very well. But I think for people you, you who could, do. if you were like you know a capable writer, you could sit there and you could argue the case for a number of these things. Oh. You could you could say you know what the presentation could be better, the menu system could be more intuitive. The thing is, is that you know the thing with Football Manager is that is that it is an it is an acquired taste. I mean, it's not you know it's 
you know, you're not going to be wowed by its incredible technical achievement, its amazing graphics, its amazing sound. I mean, there's no music on it at all. Um, and I wouldn't want that anyway, because you don't want some techno beat like the hot, in the background the whole time you're trying to get your <laughs> squad together. But, um, I mean, that's never been what it's about. It is a very acquired taste, and I think it is also very... Um, even within people who love football, it's very, you know, not everyone is going to like Football Manager. And, and, but, you know, the fact is, is that football is the world's number one sport. I mean, it's the most played, the most watched. And this game is, has got worldwide, worldwide appeal. It's, you know, it's massively popular in Europe. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, it's just a... I just want to mention it because I think it's just a bit of a shame that you know that that, that could go out and that, that if they've actually pulled the review, I think. Yeah, so. they they yanked the review, um, which I thought was kind of cowardly. Yeah. But really, you should stand by. Yeah. Stick stick to your guns. So you know what I I wrote it. That's what I reckon. I'm standing by yeah. it. Yeah. So questions then, Pele. For me though, more than anything, I think it um, raises questions about what a game review should be and how we should go about writing game reviews. That's something I'd like to get stuck into on the next podcast. Mm. Not this one, though, because we've got a lot of work to do back in the office. Yeah, that's right. Let's yeah. do some questions, and let's just have a little chat about Christmas after that. Questions. TrooperDX3117 says, The other day I was at a friend's house, and despite me warning him, he bought Quantum of Solace. It's not a good well, choice. Didn't read uh, we warned you. Xbox World review. I, um, told, I, told, I, t- I foresaw this months ago. So for about two hours, what, Trooper DX's mate buying Quantum of Solace? Well, I, I, said, I said months <laughs> ago that the people would buy it, whatever, but that it would be Chateau, and I was right on both both. I'll tell you what, it won't be Chateau, though. The new James Bond game announced, which uh, Bizarre are making. Oh, James Bond Racing. John yeah. ben, James Bond Racing. By Bizarre, though. So, yeah, Bizarre yeah. Creations. They've ne- never made a bad racing game. I mean, mm. any game which Bizarre make, which have got cars in, it's going to be strong. Time for a first, though, eh? James Bond. So for two hours, he got to marvel in the explosively barrel goodness. And it got him thinking about what a cliche explosive barrels are. Now, if you read back, I think, some of my past reviews, I think Conflict Denied Ops many months ago is, is the main one. Yeah, I strong barrels and Conflict I, Denied I have a big problem with explosive barrels in games. I hate them. Quantum <laughs> of Solace is full of them. Black Sight was full of them. Conflict Denied Ops was... Barrels with a few levels, you yeah, know, but you're lo- around you're, them. In, 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 I got to say, though, Matt, you're, lo- you're, lo- you're loving, you're loving um, fear at the moment, and that's got to explode in Barrel it's, it's City. Got some, no, yeah, but the bit I saw you playing, they're not like big red barrels. The bit I saw you playing, yeah, they're yellow. The bit I saw <laughs> exactly. you playing, it was like you're having these, these freaks from Condemned jump on your face. You're walking along. A guy crawls up, crawls over an exploding barrel. Oh, it's getting there and bang. Oh, <laughs> it's wait, not wait, quite wait, as Wait a minute, bad. there's a forklift truck. What's that on the truck? Exploding barrels. But the thing is, in, in the context of that level, like where it was set, it was acceptable. Okay. I don't expect to go like, out yeah. in the frigging streets of Bath and see a tin barrel it's in like, the middle of the road. In Area 51, <laughs> there'll be a guy on a bridge shooting a machine gun at you. He's taking me out cover behind an explosive barrel. <laughs> the, the best what, what, is, what did he do? Bring it with him. Best one is Quantum Masala says a guy like behind concrete wall and he, he looks around he's like, sod that. I'm running behind that <laughs> big flushing object right well, there. We had a big issue with Far Cry because we've sent review code for Far Cry. We did a review and then we sent another piece of review code saying, yeah, okay, we fixed a lot of the things that were problems in that last build. Sure enough, they had. And one of the big problems was that the AI had no understanding of what was destructible and what wasn't and what might explode in their face and what wasn't, so they would take cover behind the exploding barrels. And in the final game, they fix that. They will steer clear of anything which might explode on them. So we had to redo the whole review for that. Yeah, we had to redo code. like a big chunk of review because like, you know, it was a big AI issue that they would just take cover and there were things which would explode. And of course, in like, 
in Black Sight and in Conflict Denied Ops. Man, they didn't give a damn. They, we, we didn't get a second set of review code for that game. I know. Anyway, um, well, that was finished code we got in both cases. Yeah. Um, retail code, I should say. We always have finished code, but it was retail machine mm. code. Um, he, anyway, he wants to know like, what other gaming cliches do we wish would die? I hate crates. I hate running up to a crate, meleeing it, it falling apart, and there being like a, a bit of ammo there. Hate it. Yeah, that's, that does suck. It does suck big time. Um, I don't know. There's millions of RPG cliches I'd love to see dumped, like grinding. Man, that's, got, that's just got to go. Yeah. That, that, that's how it's day. And pre-rendered cutscenes, they got to go. Oh no, I've got time for pre-rendered cutscenes. Nah, it's bullshit. Well, the graphics are good enough these days. We don't need we don't need that nonsense anymore. Mate, like I say, let, like you were saying, we were discussing earlier. Let me be a part of the story. Don't tell me a story. No, but some games like JRPGs, I know you don't like them, Mike. I'm a real big fan of the JRPG, and it needs to have pre-rendered cutscenes for it to work. Like I don't want to. The the in-game graphics are never nowhere near as good as, as the cutscenes, and I don't want to walk around while some like poorly animated guy with no lip syncing because it was designed for. The Japanese audience who's so got Japanese lip syncing. I don't issues, want to walk around while that's being done. One of the big issues with uh, JRPGs as well is that either the writers aren't very good, which I don't think is the case, or the writers don't have confidence in the player's ability to understand the story. So every single thing, which in a movie would be like one line, and Tim knows this, it's like, you know, in a movie you have a time limit. You have to, you have to say, okay, things have to happen in a certain amount of time. Mm. You have to have a moment of, uh, of emotion every now and again. You have to have moments of, of action every now and again. You have to like pace the movie out, which means you sometimes you have to like say, well, he doesn't need you know a five minute monologue at this point. One minute would be enough, and that would get the point over. Uh, just you just write it really well to make it really emphatic and really strong in a shorter space of time. JRPGs don't bother with any of that. Every single minute facet of every single thing will be explained in the tiniest detail just to make sure yet you the gamer get it mm. and i think they just don't either they don't have confidence in their own ability as writers they don't have confidence in your ability as a gamer to understand it but it's like metal gear solid it's not an rpg but this is the perfect example like you're you're into kojima world where every single thing gets explained like okay so you know you've got nano machines in your body wait what we're going to do is we're going to explain to you how those nano machines work mm. who invented them why he invented them um, what he was doing, um, what he, how that guy who invented them had problems with his wife at the time, and that led him to um, change the way they worked. And it's, you know, you don't need that much detail. Just, just well, he's got nano machines in his body. That's enough, you know. And I think that's why you know a lot, a lot. Of the, I mean, this is getting off the, the point a little bit, but it's quite an interesting discussion. Is why I think a lot of why video games are still viewed as being very much a sort of second-class citizen where story is concerned. It's not because the story's necessarily bad, and it's not because they're necessarily not well-written. I mean, we saw Chronicles of Riddick yesterday, which has, a, I mean, some fantastic writing in it, and some really good, um, brilliant, brilliant voice acting. Some ropey voice acting too, but most of it's real strong. Yeah, I mean, well, the bit we saw, Matt and I was, saw was... Just blew us away. Yeah, just totally blown did away. You, did you go to the prison cells? Yeah. And you chat to the guy in the back, far back corner? We chatted to all of them, and they were all <laughs> the guy yeah. in the back corner when he's like talking about his wife and so on. Brilliant, incredible, amazing, amazing, and 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 I think you know that's that's but that's really the exception to the rule, and I think the reason is, Mike, you're, you're absolutely spot on, is because bad writing is is overwriting, really. Mm. You know, I mean, like like you say, I mean, it's it's not that it's necessarily a lot of these games haven't got good good dialogue and good writing in them. It's because they're overwritten, and I think that's because you're filling a lot more time. Mm. I mean, your average movie is two hours. I mean, a, a game should really be more like a book, I think. It should be more... I mean, book is, you know, 450, 500 pages, and that's a lot of words and a lot For of For me, a, a game is more like a TV show. 
like a TV series, you get these series of episodes where and a certain number of events have to happen in each episode. Yeah, and and like uh, games are almost like um, a DVD anthology, you know, of yeah. a of a series. And I, and I just think you know, you, you it's just a lot of a lot of the the story and a lot of the words and stuff in 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 games are just are just it's written to fill space. It's written to fill time. Well, this even extends to us to what we do. I mean, whenever I write a review, I write it. And I usually overwrite. That's just the nature of the way I do it. And then I immediately ask myself, whether it's overwritten or not, how can I use less words? Mm. And I'll go back through what I've written and take out every sentence which doesn't have a purpose, every word which doesn't have a purpose. And by the end of it, you've saved yourself 50, 100, however many words you've saved. And then those words are words you can use to put more value in for the reader. You can tell them more about the game, say more interesting things by saving words which are wasteful. Yeah. And... Video game storytelling is, by its nature, wasteful. It Mike, I, I hear you'll be refining your techniques so that by the end of this, well, this coming year, uh, our reviews will just be like single word sentences, like yeah. bad, ugly. That's what they're, that's exactly what they do. Strip it down. <laughs> Terrible voice acting. Well, that's, that's another thing about reviews, actually, because <laughs> you say to someone that a game is compelling, it tells them nothing. You say it's exciting, it tells them nothing. You still have to use enough words to explain what makes it you know mm. and i always say to people when we come in for a work experience and we run we run work experience on the magazine and so on we bring in university students to to work in the office for a week and i always tell them don't tell me something is exciting show me something is exciting so if you're an aspiring game journalist out there or an aspiring critic in any field don't say it's exciting don't say it's compelling don't say it's good don't say it's bad show me something in the game or in the movie or in the book that excited you. Show me something which thrilled you. Something which you. If something's bad and frustrating, tell me something which frustrated you. And I, as a reader, will feel the frustration or feel the excitement. And that's a far better thing to do than just saying one word. So you have to spare yourself enough words to do that. Mm. But at the same time, don't be wasteful. Another, um, another old writing trick is the word that. You can pretty much excise the word that from your vocabulary altogether. You can kind of write around it so often. If you have the word that in a sentence, you can probably find a better way of saying it. Um, there's loads of examples which I can't think of at the top of my head, but you know you can you can strip out words like that to make your language more concise, sharper, more to the point. And we're not perfect, but we try to aspire to that at all times. And video game writing never aspires to that kind of conciseness. And what they seem to think that more words is more value, yeah. but it's not. Less words is more value. Absolutely. I mean that is the number one rule. I mean if you you know if you you know, I've got a little bit of experience with kind of writing and stuff, and it is, it is the same in, in, in all fields, you know, but in, in, in books, for example, it's just, about, um, it's just about writing less. I mean, you know, the first, thing, the first thing anyone will do, any author that gets published, the first thing they'll do is cut you down. Yeah. They'll cut you down. Unless like, you're J.K. Rowling and you have to wait to say, I'm doing a 700-word book, whether you like it or not. That's right, yeah. I mean, there are, there are, you know, I mean, Stephen King can write whatever the hell he wants and mm. no one's going to mention anything to him. And, you, and actually, you see that with some of the top authors is that, you and read they, some of their books and you're like, they're so verbose. Yeah, they need an editor. You're like, yeah. they need, they need, they've, they've gone too big for their boots. They need an editor at this point. Yeah, but but you know, most most authors are cut down. You know, probably get like 100, 150 pages lopped off their work because you write less is more. We're so. bringing the writing revolution at Xbox World. Mike's bringing the writing. I'm bringing the 50% score average. Yeah, none of this seven out of ten rubbish. 50% the average. That's for the score. new year, 2009. 50% the, the the straight up average. And um, we've got we've already had a couple of games in this issue, this issue which fall well below that average, well below. Just to just to give Trooper one last point, it's not even a cliche; it's just a real pet hate. I don't know why; there's probably no real rhyme or reason for it. But I hate 
it, it, it's in, it was in the original Fear a lot. I've seen it a couple of times in Fear 2. It's in Black Sight. We were talking about that earlier. I hate when you funnel down a corridor. And it's obviously the way you need to go. But just to block off the, the previous area you know, from, from you, you have to go up a one-way ramp. So you go over a and ramp a and you ledge. drop down. Yeah, a little, and you can't little, go back. A little step. Not even, not even I, anything you can... I hate it. I mean, I know it's a natural way to kind of sh- usher you on through the level the way you're supposed to go. Black did that a lot. Remember Black? I do, yeah, it's yeah. It's a perfectly solid shooter, but it had these collectibles in every stage. You had to get, collect three of these things on the hardest setting. You had to collect them. And when you'll go through a section, and then you'll, you'll pass a point, and then you won't be able to go back because you've stepped down basically what amounts to a curb. And it won't let you back up that way. So yeah. if, you've, if you haven't got a bit in the section, you, know, you may as well just turn I off. hate it. I just, I don't, I just, oh, it's something that really, it just feels cheap and it breaks lazy that, it level It breaks design. your sense of um, immersion. Yeah, it yeah. definitely like the, the, your the, the credibility of the world, especially if you're hopping over ledges elsewhere in the game. If you can't turn around and hop over the like, oh, half that's the another size. thing. Which I'm going to go back to Metal Gear Solid and any game with cutscenes, and this in particular goes to JRPGs, Devil May Cry, lots of Japanese games do this. Your and Western games. I'm not just going to blame the Japanese like Japanese developers for this. Lots of Western games do it too, but it's primarily Japanese developers. You'll have a game like Metal Gear Solid where you're walking around, your feet are firmly rooted to the floor. You can dive, you can do this stuff. Cuts to a cutscene. And all of a sudden, you're frigging Batman. You're running <laughs> across the ceiling, leaping off the wall, doing kung fu, blocking this guy, dodging bullets. And you're like, why can't I do why that? Why can't I do that yeah. when I'm playing? That'd be really nice. Like, that'd, be, that'd be a real fun thing to do. And it kind of, it's like, and when you get back in the game, you're like Johnny Robot, you know? It's yeah. Like, no, c- come on, man. Like, give me, if, you, if you're going to limit my ability to control my character... The, the, the cut scene should have the same limitations so that I don't feel like a pussy once I actually get in control. Last question. Yeah, last question. And then we've got to wrap it up. Let's Andy just do Sills. a little bit about Christmas as well. Let's just have a little chat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andy Sills Christmas. wants to know Assassin's Creed 2 has just like, officially been announced. I think one of the guys higher up at Ubisoft let it slip that it's in production. Um, what features would we love to see in the game? He'd like to see a day night cycle similar to Far Cry 2, whereby it's easier at night to be more stealthy. I think that'd be um, quite good. I'd like to see it a little bit more like Hitman. Like, I, I was a real big fan of Assassin's Creed. I thought uh, it did what it did really well. Amazing world. I can see why people don't like it. I, I, I'm I with can, you. I can I appreciate well. why people don't like it, but I, I thought it was really, really good. I'd like to see a little bit more variation in, well, first of all, the missions. Like, Definitely. That's what it needs more than anything. Th- that was the to, biggest bug. I think, yeah, for it everybody. needs more variety in, in your reconnaissance. You should be, your recon should be more interesting and it should have more of a tangible effect on the actual yeah, mission but i think the actual hit itself like same thing you should gather intelligence to get a hit yeah now what you do in the first one you gather intelligence and it would if you then go into your like well it wasn't a pda into your menu it would then give you like escape routes and ideas about where the guards are and where they're not it would give yeah. you little maps as where they are that should be more prominent in the second game. Definitely. It should b- play a bigger part. Like, if you're going in with more intelligence, you'll have a better idea how to hit, take uh, absolutely. out. Absolutely, and you should be able to do things like like you uh, perhaps would in a Hitman game. By manipulating events in one place, it yeah. creates distractions which can which will take yeah. guards away. Or like so, uh, Oblivion, where you went in that house in the Assassin's Guild, yeah. and you um, loosened, there was like a, a bear's head on the wall, or something yeah. like that, a deer's head, and it would drop on him when he was sitting down and kill him. You should be able more to do More ways to kill your enemies, yeah, definitely more ways to kill them. Um, and how about, you know, perhaps you start a riot on one side of the city, and the guards have to get called away, so when you actually do go to do your, um, your mission, there'll be less guards there, yeah. and you incited a riot to cause that, or... 
you know, lots of things you can, or you know, you you incite a fire nearby, and that means that guards have to be called, called to take care of it. I'm quite excited by the prospect that it's it's potentially going to be in the French Revolution. Now, I don't know how true that is at the moment. I'm still thinking, I still think that's just a rumor. Yeah. Um, Good setting for the game, though. It would be awesome. I hope it won't use like muskets and stuff that much. I, it needs to remain like a melee only game. I would love to see it set in a, like a Victorian London. Jack the Ripper stalking <laughs> the street. Yeah, you, 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 you're like, yeah, you know, this Jack the Ripper figure stalking the street. I tell you what, I think the next one, if, if they are going to do it, say, French Revolution or whatever, it means I think every game in the Assassin's Creed series is going to have one iconic figure. So Altair, we were thinking, will Assassin's Creed exist beyond him? Yeah, what they'll do, they'll have one different character, just as striking, but for each one. Yeah, and I reckon they'll visually go, very striking. If they do French Revolution, I'm just absolutely convinced that they'll be a woman. They'll have a female lead character as the Assassin. Yeah, that, I just, that wouldn't I just think surprise me. Striking, like a female character in that type of uniform, I think it will be just as strong. A lead. It might be quite jarring for um, gamers who, let's be honest, tend to be, you know, blood guns, death, skateboards, titties, um, to, to be, like, play... To, they, they're not sure... I think just because, like, games these days, they have to aim at a slightly... I wouldn't say lower audience, but they have to make certain things more obvious. To have you as a male character in the, in the present and then as a female character in the past, I think that disconnect might be something Ubisoft will be keen to avoid. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Just stuff like Velvet Assassin, obviously Violet, whatever faces. Oh, a strong like French a, character. A, a yeah, yeah, strong long. French female character would make, yeah. certainly make so sense. I think, I think that's, that's the way they'll go. But I don't know. I don't, I'm not even convinced it's going to be in that setting. Mm. So what are you all doing for Christmas then? Christmas time. I tell you what, what happened to um, speaking of uh, you know not Christmas, but speaking of the old cold wintry days, you had a little yeah good story morning. this morning. Yeah, uh, where I walk into work, Bath uh, for people who haven't been to Bath before is uh, is in like a bowl and, uh, and very hilly on all very sides. very hilly on all sides. And uh, I park my car on the top of one hill and walk into work every morning. And because it's been so freezing cold for the past couple of weeks. The pathway that that especially down towards the bottom uh, bottom end of bus, surprisingly, where it's a bit warmer, but um, that the, there's a there's a stretch of of, of sort of tarmac, and it's the only way into 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 Bath, and it's and it's on a on a on a hill, so it's on a, it's quite steep, and it's basically turned into an ice rink, and uh, and on on one side there's like a grassy bank that's all frozen and stuff and, and over the past couple of days I not, almost ended up on my ass about five times coming down the hill the other day uh, you have I've, to do the old, the, old, the old shit pants walk don't you yeah, you, 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 right. you plant every foot very carefully yeah. uh, and I, I've, I've learned to walk up onto the grass because that's not anywhere near as slippy yeah. and, uh, and by the time you, the grass sort of finishes you get to the bottom of the hill and you're alright on the flat you can sort of do the old as you say the old full pants walk Anyway, this morning I was walking down the uh, walking down the hill, and this woman, uh, I guess she must be about thirty five, forty, um, came down, and she's like walking like the Terminator. I mean, she's <laughs> walking like she's got a purpose in life, you yeah. know. And um, it's really, really. I mean, it's been it was freezing this morning, and it so was she's just got bad news written all over. Yeah, her. it's really cold. I saw it. I, I could sort of. I had my headphones on, and I sort of, sort of. She appeared out of the sort of corner of my eye. Um, and on the other side of the road, and she was crossing across to where to the pathway that leads down to where where I go, and I, I saw her come in, and I, I took my headphones out because I saw saw she was walking really fast, and I said to her, just I don't know whether you come down here every morning, but it's an absolute nightmare down here, so I'd just be careful if if I was you, and I sort of got up onto the grass. She was like, oh, oh, whatever, you know, kind of attitude. She didn't really like you know striding down, <laughs> ignoring you know. Stupid man, the stupid walk. man. Yes, don't <laughs> tell me what to do with women's lib and all that. And uh, and anyway, 
through the corner of my eye about five seconds later I see her and I go whoops <laughs> and she ends up right on her ass and not only that but um, but because it's an ice rink she slides she slides oh. down on her. Oh. I felt really I felt sorry for her but I, th- I thought in my head well I did tell you um, and I sort of came off the grass bank onto the flat and she sort of got up and she sort of looked at me sheepishly I said are you alright and she went <laughs> and sort of sort of wandered <laughs> on yeah that's right and I was just thinking, she was obviously massively embarrassed, um, but obviously didn't want to kind of admit that, that it had hurt. And anyway, I sort of go under an underpass and came up the other side, and I saw her in, in front of me again on a really nasty stretch. It's flat, but it's really, really icy and stuff. And, um, and she was like, oh, yes, I'm fine. And, uh, and later on, this nasty bit, she's sort of picking her knickers out of her ass because they're so far up her ass that she slid down the, <laughs> slid down the thing. <laughs> Anyway, do you, was, do you ever do that thing when you're a kid in the playground where you, you have your school shoes on, your nice school shoes, so not much tread on them, and you just run along the playground and you stop? <laughs> right. yeah. I saw some people do that in Trowbridge. It's brilliant, right? It's the, the best. And then the teachers were like, oh, no, no, you can't do that. And they, they would ban it. And then, and then some scumbag would, like, between the morning break and the afternoon break, would grit the thing. Yeah. It's completely ruined your fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. So yeah, so it's been pretty cold in this, uh, but but yeah, Christmas should be quite good this year. We're gonna year. be taking like a break from doing the podcast just over Christmas. Yeah, so, you know, we might be back until the new year now. Back until the new year. We're so what are you guys doing? Well, um, uh, Weaver's been on. Uh, we family Weaver have been away for a few weeks, so they come back on Tuesday. So it'll be good. I'm I'm a bit sick of living the single man's so life. So your mate. wife and your daughter have been away for almost a month. Three and a half weeks. Three yeah. and a half weeks. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long three and a half weeks. It was all right for a couple of nights. And then you realise that there's only so many pot noodles you can eat. <laughs> but uh, you, you didn't use the time to finish Bioshock. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't use the time to finish Bioshock. When I should have done. When you have a little girl in the house, of course, the games like Bioshock and Gears of War are very hard to play. Yeah. So much of the 360s catalogue are very hard to play. Yeah. Which means games like you on Chat Manager on your Mac is just fine. That's right, yeah. It's, it's, it is hard. Because Bioshock's like one of those games. I absolutely loved it. I mean, about probably about halfway through, maybe. Nah, a bit. you're further, you're further through. Maybe, further. maybe. I don't know. But anyway, I, I really I really enjoyed it. I, I, and, you know, I know you guys all take the mick and stuff it's just that you know you kind of need to with those sort of games you kind of need to go back to them and like you say spend some time with them and I don't, what I don't want to go in is go in for 10 minutes and then like after yeah, you need to immerse game, yourself in that world because Aaron's decided to wake up at half past 9 at night or something you know it's just it's, um, it is hard it is hard I know there's people out there who've got kids who cope just fine but uh, I, I, I need like to set aside some quality time for stuff like that and what I don't want to do is like have an hour here and like half an hour here and that sort of stuff so but what about you guys? Um, what you I got your daughter's present sorted and everything. Yeah, she's a bit. I, mean, um, I know you were debating that. Yeah, she's a bit of a. She's a bit of a. She likes boys' toys basically, and so she wants a garage for Christmas. A Garage. Yeah, so we got a, got a garage. You, 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 cracked, well. you cracked and got the garage in the end because you were debating. Yeah, I got the garage from ELC early in the center and uh, came with twenty pounds worth of free cars, which I thought was all going, which That's sealed right. the deal. Nice. She likes she likes the free cars. Yeah, she likes play the with garage, the box. So. Play with the box by the end of uh, Boxing <laughs> That's right. Day. Though. Well, my wife was like, "Oh, should we get her this uh, this um, this uh, like um, what the bloody hell is it called? Like an easel, you know, like so she can do oh, painting, oh, yeah, do painting have one of those on nice stuff." Kid. Yeah, brilliant. I said, "Yeah, we can do, but the thing is, I just know what she's like. She'll she'll play with if we buy her a load of presents. She'll play with each of them for about five minutes, and then they'll go back up in the loft." So I said we're just going to get her the garage this year, and if she, re- you know, make sure she really likes that because I spent good money on that because it's a it's a giganto garage. Is it as big as she is? Uh, it's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty big garage, multi-story. 
It's got a helipad on it. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a strong present. Yeah. Like, me and Matt would have fun playing with that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. I, I still would. I still have that on my Christmas list. I'll be spending this Christmas with my um, my lovely girlfriend for the uh, for the first time. My my newish girlfriend, spending it with her family, and they do Christmas big. Her family are from Switzerland, and they do a strong Christmas in Switzerland. Anyone who's yeah. been to Austria, Switzerland, Germany, they do strong Christmas over there. Seriously right, yeah. good, seriously festive because they actually get snow and you know. So they dish it out big style on Christmas Day. So what? You, they all coming over from Switzerland, are they? No, it's going to be. Well, it's basically she comes from a family of girls, like dozens upon dozens of them. It's just like uh, she has three sisters. So we're going to sit down Christmas Day. I'm going to get judged by her family with her mom, her sisters, her. Uh, I think one of the other boyfriends is turning up as well. It's uh, it's going. I'm expecting a strong, a strongly festive Christmas Day because I'm, I'm not sure about you. I don't come from a big family, so I don't have like. The big no, Christmas day, but what it does deny me is my my annual pleasure of getting to sit and just enjoy a game for a day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always save myself a game for Christmas day. I said it in our last word in the uh, issue is about to come out. I like to I like to sit and enjoy. You know, on Christmas day you get up. To, Christmas is a time for a tradition. You know, repeating the same thing year after year after year. So you get up on Christmas morning. You have your. For me, I have a toasted bun. I always have a toasted bun on Christmas Day. Christmas yeah. morning for my breakfast. Strong toasted bun. You should get some. Marks and Spencer's Christmas buns. Hot cross buns. Is your dad, does good. your dad come and stay with you? or? Uh, I usually go there. Right, yeah, I usually okay. say hello to my dad. This year he's, uh, he's going away, so I'm going uh, to spend it with my girlfriend. Which right, is gonna, okay. She's a nice treat. I get to wake up with, uh, with a lovely lady. With a lovely morning, lady. And I get to dish out the old presents. And there's nothing better then you nailing those presents. You know you've, you've got the hookup. Like you're going to give that present to your daughter. Yeah. She's going to be like... That's a strong present. She's gonna, she's gonna be. Well, I hope she is. I mean, she might. The thing is, because she's been away for three and a half weeks, it might be that uh, she, she likes I, giraffes now. Uh, yeah, I mean, because apparently, my Mrs. Weaver said that she's absolutely loving the beach, and I said you're going to have such a culture shock when you come back because it's obviously it's just, they're in the southern hemisphere at the moment, and it's you know it's it's really hot there at the moment, and they're you know having a right old time of it down there. So you're wondering if the little and understand when she comes yeah, back. Yeah, I, I think she's going to come back. Yeah, she's going to have come, come back and find it's a bit of a culture shock, I think. But um, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, you and me, Mike, are the same. We're both uh, both big fans of Christmas. I'm looking forward to it this year. It'll be when you, when nice. you nail that present, you know you've done good work. And this, yeah. this Christmas, I've nailed those presents big time. A new pellet? Um, well, I know what Tim feels like because uh, my fiance's just gone home to visit her. Family, so I'm going to be living. You guys the can life. you guys can go choke because I only get to see my girlfriend for three days out of seven every week. That is painful, man. That is every five days of the week. I wait, wait a minute, four days of the week. I, <laughs> those, I, those eight day weeks. I I, sit, I come home on an evening and all I can do is tug. Yeah, <laughs> that's lovely. <laughs> that's too much info. It's the spirit uh, of Christmas, right yeah. there. Now let's see if I'm going to nip back see see my parents and uh, my cat who I miss terribly. And because I haven't been home for about a year, do you miss it more than your uh, your uh, missus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to answer that because <laughs> you might listen. <laughs> um, and then I don't know. I broke the eighty thousand gamer score barrier last week, so I think by the end yeah, of the year, productive then. Her by the end of the year, no, no, no. This is like before she's oh, gone. Okay. Hell, now she's gone. I'm going to now to re- now, yeah. now to rack it so up. So I'm really thinking starts. maybe by the end of the Christmas holiday, ninety thousand. Ninety thousand points. That's right ranking. That's right, ranking. You heard that <laughs> over on OXM. That's the, the points leader. I think Matt's the points leader in the Xbox um, industry right now. Yeah. So that sounds good, Pat. So I've like, got a gamer score for Christmas. It sounds like you're keeping it real once again. Definitely keep it always, always real, always kind of masochistic. Yeah. 
So if any of our readers want to mail in after Christmas, let us know how their Christmas Day went, what, what strong Christmas Day gaming they did. Yeah. You know, so there, might be a, there might be a little present in it for them, a little post-Christmas Day present. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's an extra long podcast today, actually. Hour and 50 minutes, yeah. almost. So um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you have a cracking Christmas. Remember to pick up the new mag. It's on sale Friday the 19th. Um, if you don't pick it up, then you will miss out on the best Christmas present you will possibly get. You'll sing everybody out. Sing everybody out. Jingle. No? No? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, oh. They'll get a lump of coal for Christmas if they don't buy our mag. You been, have you been naughty or have you been nice? Yeah. You, Matt? I've been, I've been I've nice. I've been nice. I'm Matt, always Tim? nice. I'm always nice. I'm a little bit in the middle. Yeah. Ambiguity. Uh, so, yeah, have a great Christmas. Uh, thanks for all reading the, the mag and you know, listening to our podcast this year. We hope you have a cracking new year as well, and we'll see you in the new year. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas.